whenever you need sports. Sports conference. Tune in to the nosebleed seats. That was the most exciting thing to happen tonight. Join Zach Wolchuk, Zach Babb, and Eric Giafalo as they take you through the top stories of the week and beyond. I don't know who the hell that is. It's time for the nosebleed seats. There's not much that gets me more fired up. It's about that time for some nosebleed seats. The show everyone can afford to listen to. I am your host, Zach Wolchuk, along with my co-host, Eric Chiafalo, and our producer, the great Zach Bam. It is episode number 16, and as always, we have a cornucopious amount to get to. We're going to have the great Dr. John Michaels, the former left tackle of the Green Bay Packers and Philadelphia Eagles, and USC's Rosian now turned spine and pain practitioner on with us live to talk all things Anything you want, really, what we want. We're going to take it whatever direction we want to go in. Well, he's supposed to be smart, right? So we can pretty much ask him anything in the world. He's and got know an it. answer. He might as well run for president. He's a doctor. Yes, he is. We're going to have a lot of NFL talk for you coming your way. The NFL's added a couple new rules, mainly an adjustment to overtime. We've got Tony Romo finally making his broadcasting debut, and Lance Barrow of CBS is singing Tony Romo's praises Another cowboy is in the news for something not so good facing suspension. As always, we get weird with Wolchuk. And we'll have to talk some NBA because one team has already punched their ticket to go to the NBA Finals, while the other got a little taste of humble pie. So that's a little little tease of what we've got coming up on this episode number 16 of the Nosebleed Seats podcast. But first and foremost, Bam, Chi, how y'all doing? Amazing. Still, still a little sick. Yeah, you sound a lot better, though. Yeah, sound hopefully a lot better. I, I sounded terrible last week. Terrible. And this week, I'm probably about 75%, I'd say. I was on the injury report, sure. Questionable coming in, but I'm here for my guys. I was doubtful last week. I still made it, so what am I doing? I'm here, ready to play. You were doubtful, but you played. And normally, you know, when those injury reports come out, doubtful means he's out. So you really... I stepped up for my guys. You did. You know that. And Doc coming on with us probably wouldn't be happy with me. I I had to use, you know, me. Me and the uh, Toradol. Really good friends. The Toradol? Yeah. Tell me more. You know, it just numbs your body. And that's kind of what I'm on right now. Can't feel anything. And I won't for the next 48 hours. And then everything I do between now and then will just hit me like a freight train. You know, Tuesday morning. Hit me like a wrecking ball. Exactly. So I it's going to be great. should never do that again. Yeah, you, you can't. Please sing. don't. God is that bad? That make your ears bleed a little bit? Yeah, and Bab is super far away from us again this time because, again, our recording system is fried in here, so he's across the room. Hey, but we're on with us, and I'll tell you what, just to un- to peel back the curtains because I know you and I, we love doing that. We love just being open and honest with the show listener. Safe space. So we tried to get John, Dr. John Michaels on a couple weeks back, and we couldn't even record that day because the board that we run stuff on in the studio, it was just completely fried. wouldn't work. It was just so unprofessional on uh, our part. I mean, look how bad we look to the doctor, man. Yeah, and I'm sure he was juiced and excited, ready to come on, and then we've got to say, like, oops, sorry, this is really embarrassing. First time ever, we can't roll. So we pushed it back to today. And, of course, we come in, and the board's not working again. But luckily, producer Bab on the ones and the twos, who's just always on top of things, keeping it locked. 
right here for Nosebleed Seats Podcast on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio, in case you were wondering. Found a way to rig this bad boy so we're still able to record. So Eric and I are in our own separate studio, and then about two rooms away, Bab is in a separate studio running everything. Eric, you can kind of see him and wave and talk. I'm at an angle where... I can't see his beautiful face, yeah, and, it, and it upsets me. Yeah, no, well, I, I that's why I, I dibs this seat. Remember, I called it, I seat-checked it, so I could stare Bab right in the eye from across the room. We can wave at each other. We can wink. We can, you know, we do do everything we usually do. So I'm sorry you feel out of the loop here, um, but that's just the way it is today. It is what it is. I'll roll with it because, heck, I'm composed as hell, baby. That's what I rep all day, every day, 24-7. Respect. So I try my best, but I do think uh, – there's something that we've been talking about for a couple weeks, teasing at uncertainty. I know two episodes ago, you were just all up in knots. Oh, bro, I was down in the dumps. We got some breaking news, some exciting news in regards to that story. If you want to give us a little refresher and and give the fans some some new information, Eric. Yeah, so good news all around. I was nervous as balls. Everybody knows that, but I got the information today. Why do you always have to say balls? Oh, you're right. This is <laughs> <laughs> this has just become a recurring thing with me. It's my favorite word. It's just the way it goes. Balls, balls, balls. Exactly. Jumbling balls. So I got the gig at the fan, ladies and gentlemen. Well, what? Good looks, Bab. Oh. Yep, so crack a cold one for your boy right now. I don't care where you are, where you're if you're at work, if you're in the office, if you're driving in the middle of the road. We're popping bottles. If you're if you're teaching a class somewhere and you're listening to me in your headphones in front of your students right now, shotgun a beer, do it for the nosebleeds culture. Nosebleed seeds taking it. All the way to the top, baby. So we are officially co-workers. You are looking at a new 105.3 The Fan member. I'm trying to figure out what I need to put in my bio now on my you put Facebook, you my put Twitter. Intern. You put no, intern. I should, uh, uh, just employee, right? Go I mean, get me some coffee, Beats. Yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm just an employee. Where my donuts, Beats? Just like the rest of y'all. I mean, we're, I'm practically on the same like level as everybody creams, here, right? Two sugars, baby. Equality. Seriously, though, write that down. I'm going to need that, uh, okay. that I'll, coffee I'll order. let you know. I'll let you know. Give me that Dunky Donut Yeah, if you're order ever too. working those overnights, man, that's where I'll be. You can come on up there and uh, maybe a Rangers game or something. It was pretty funny because I was up there uh, whenever I met with them last last week, and it was it was my second, it was my last interview up there. And he, that before I went in there, I was chilling because I get there early, so I was hanging out outside in the parking lot, kind of near the McDonald's, just in my car. And I see Bassick mid show, G Bag Nation. They go commercial break. He comes sprinting out in the parking lot, runs into McDonald's real fast, gets something, and runs back up into the studio. That's it was when he needed me. That's when he needed me most, baby. Those 20 nugget orders with some honey mustard. From and that's Mikey what the B. intern does. So that's what I'm going to be there for. Anybody who needs their nuggets, uh, Walter, you can eat your coffee, your your Dunky Donut, your, uh, your kolaches, whatever you're into, man. Your bacon. Hey, we might get to a little bit of bacon later. Yeah, you can't eat bacon. Everything Everybody gets knows better that. with bacon. Everybody baby. knows you can't well, eat who bacon. Who said Jewish people can't eat bacon? Yeah, if you don't know, Walchik is our resident South African, Caucasian American Jew. I am the bear Jew, as they call me. So no bacon for Jew, my friend. <laughs> well, maybe not. No bacon for. I Jew. got a little, a uh, little bit of let's get weird talk that has to do with Jewish people maybe being able to eat bacon. We were just lied to forever forever man that sucks if i got shammed into not eating bacon all this time i would probably well, kill someone in all honesty in our jewish listeners which i know there's a lot i'm going to have to admit a sin I, i've always eaten bacon my whole family really has for the most part we're not overly kosher 
Oh, wow. I'm you know, disappointed. We're, we're I'm kind of disappointed. Where's the legitimacy? Yeah, I mean, I don't so you guys know, are posers. Is that what it is? Whoa, 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 whoa. That's freaking rude and disrespectful. Disrespect out of here. All right, let me walk that Poses. back. I walk that back. I'm 100% Jewish. But, yeah, we kind of see him bound on the bacon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Listen, don't I draw the, the line at That's no where, bacon. Look, and, I draw the line at no bacon. And I love myself some seafood. So, technically, shellfish, unkosher. Wow. So you're not Shrimp, no shrimps. I mean, yeah, oh my goodness. No mud bugs. Oh no lobster. No crab. No crab? Yeah, and I gotta have my crab legs and my shrimp cocktails, baby. So and I gotta sushi, have. I got, I'm, I'm a big sushi guy. I'm a I'm a big sushi guy myself, but I'm also a big mud bug guy, crawfish, crawdaddies. Yes. Tell you what, and whatever I know you want to call them. Being in the South, this is a no-no. It's not that I don't like crawfish. Oh, get I feel out. like it's a lot of work for little reward, man. I know this is supposed to be a safe space, but I'm judging you right now. I feel the judgment just blaring at me. Your eyeballs are on fire, and it's not because you're not wearing a shirt right now either. Well, I never wear shirts anymore because I feel like I need to let the pepperoni nips speak for themselves while we're on air. Yeah, I and I got like the, the sauce, baby. Can, I got the sauce. The sauce bows feel it so saucy. But yeah, I mean, so I don't, I don't, we don't keep kosher. I don't personally. My sister's gotten a little more religious. Oh, um, has she? Good for her. Over the last like year and a half. Yeah, she has. She's actually doing a good job. At a girl. But for me, yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta admit, I mix my meat and cheese. I don't keep kosher. I eat bacon. I eat the shellfish. I eat all that stuff. But maybe I'm not really uh, breaking any laws in terms of eating bacon. We'll see. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But Let's get to some NFL news because you know you and I, and Bab to an extent as well. Bab's a pro hockey guy, but unfortunately for Bab's sake. Oh, stop. Bab's not a he, he, I mean, he's a pro hockey guy, sure, but he's also a minor league baseball fiend. Oh, yeah. All the, like, croquet. He's a CFL. Badminton in the sports no loves. one freaking cares about, although I've gotten pretty laxy over the last six yeah, months. Yeah, you have gotten super laxy, but Bab is as CFL as it gets. CFL for show. But we're NFL. We're about as national football league as it comes and we are always down to talk some nfl football anytime there's an excuse or reason to do so and today the nfl making a couple of news a couple of new rule changes so first and foremost one that we haven't even talked about to even talk about on this show so i'm gonna throw a curveball at you oh my gosh oh this early yeah i like keeping you on your toes i'm tippy tappy right now no so the celebration rule. I think we're allowed to celebrate now. Yes, we are. We can celebrate. Now, now, don't get carried away, Waltrick. I know you like to go twerk, and you and Antonio Brown, you yes. score touchdowns. You like to shake that rear end Pump of yours. that air And I get day. it because yours looks, when I say it looks good, it, it would be the understatement of the world when I say it looks good when you twerk. Thank you so much. Especially after an end zone touchdown, and you're just hyped as ever, and I can see the passion, and you got those jiggly butt cheeks. Mm. Just nothing better, but you still can't do that. That's a 15-yard penalty, and I'm only—I already told you before this season—I'm only willing to accept five of those from you because it looks so, that good. But I can't have more than five penalties from you this year. Over under, I can do five. Five's fair. Good. I think you can handle five. Is fair. Because last year you said that, and if you remember, you had 72. Was it that many? You twerked after every single play for the first eight weeks, Walchick. You forgot? I get excited out there. I live for Sundays, baby. You are unbelievable. So if I, like, get a pinky on a player, I'm twerking. Yes, you are. I'm and listen, loose. the optics are great, but Roger Goodell's still not into it. But uh, Snow Angels, guess what? Snow Angels, when you're going and playing in Lambeau Field in December and you're scoring touchdowns up there, you do the Lambeau Leap, you come down, you can do the Snow Angel, no penalty. <laughs> 
You're dang right. So we're loosening things up here in the NFL. We're not trying to be so loose. Can I wipe the baby bot the ball? Can I wipe the ball like a baby's tushy? No like props. Steve Smith. I still think no props. Okay. I'm still pretty sure there's supposed to be no props. So now you can use the, the ball. A, a well, prop. okay, the, the ball, you can use the ball, but I thought you meant like literally having a wipe, like no, no, a baby no. wipe. I'll just do the motion with my hand. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah you know, yeah. as long as it doesn't look sensual in nature, because it can't be sexual in nature at all. Okay. So no, like, no, no humping, no, uh, no wiping of any sort of But like Odell area. Beckham Jr.'s Michael Jackson is totally cool. Yes. Odell Beckham's dancing is going to work as long as he's not, you know, doing that hump stuff that sometimes he sprinkles in there. And again, no twerking. Interesting. At least no more no no more than five penalties well, from you. At least the NFL is kind of coming off the no fun league a little bit, and they're letting players celebrate achievements like touchdowns now and maybe a sack or two. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be better that way. The players are going to like it, but it's still nothing. It's nothing crazy, but it's a step in the right direction. Step in the right direction. Way to go, Commissioner Goodell. Yes, finally. One quick golf clap for you, buddy. Finally. Now, the second rule has to do with a little tweaky-tweaky to overtime. Ooh. Overtime. We all love overtime. OT, right? free ball, baby. Everybody and, loves free ball. Ah, free ball on night and day. So the overtime situation in the NFL has been like, what the hell? People, WTF, Mike? People are never happy with it. I know. Everybody's so up in arms with the overtime. Every time. It's like, Every time the, the overtime, they're rule? up in arms. No, you shouldn't go to the college rule. Be yeah, here all day. Said that too. We'll be here for 92 hours. We'll see you next week. We'll still be playing. I've always said that too, but now the NFL said, all right. We're not really tweaking the rules. Everything's the same, but we're going to shorten the length. So instead of a full 15-minute overtime quarter, we're going to bring it down to 10 minutes. you got to be really confident in yourself to take a third off the top, you know, and what? just reduce the length like that. Wait, 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 wait. What? you got to be really confident in yourself in to reduce the length. Off of what? Well, the game, you know. The game. Because that's what they're doing. Right. Okay. They're Thank taking God. They're taking the third off of the game, remember? Thank God we're still talking about the game. Yeah. Because, I mean, you just got to fathom the confidence of somebody, you know, who's well, willing to take a third <laughs> off <laughs> so of I, the length. Like I guess that. what the NFL is trying to do here, from my understanding and the little bit of reading that I've done on this, is the main reason they wanted to shorten it is all about players' safety. Mm, of course it is. It always is. They're thinking that cutting out that five minutes will reduce maybe 20 plays or so. What is that in the grand scheme of things? Mm. Not Practically much. nothing. Yeah, not much, but it will reduce injury. And you've had quite a few coaches come out in support of this rule change and say, yeah, you know, players are exhausted going into next week after having to play an extra quarter. It's a beating, but now you're just taking out five minutes. I wonder if this is really going to do anything for you. I don't get how that does anything. And as a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure, I, yeah, I read on ESPN today. I got to look at, I got to credit the guy who wrote this article. And I will do that because I'm, I'm a, I'm a journalist here. You're a journal? Yes. And I take pride in that. But he said it was like 0.06% of the amount of plays in a season is what they're going to be losing. So less than 1% of the plays in a season is what they're going to be giving up right now. So how much safety does that give a, give a player? I mean, what is that? I think it does nothing. I think it does nothing, too. Because what if you're now on offense 
and you're a ball control, grind it out, and you can never just go out on the field and just say to yourself, oh, we're going to have a 9-10 minute drive. It just kind of happens. Three yards in a cloud of but, dust. Yeah, to those teams that can actually line up and run the football, like the Tennessee Titans or the Dallas Cowboys or a team with a really good offensive line, the Raiders maybe now with Marshawn Lynch, that's going to benefit you getting the ball first in overtime. It always benefits you if you get the ball first. But if you can take the ball and just milk that clock down, all of a sudden, overtime, maybe you run into a situation where what you're trying to correct by making sure each team gets two possessions, you're kind of back into that same problem. Yeah, again, it's just like 0.06% of plays. That is that is nothing. I mean, 20 plays is not going to save anybody anything. And it wasn't. wouldn't this have only come into effect like last season? It would have come into effect like six times. How many ties were there last year? I know there was... I think there were two. I think there were two as well. And this could maybe add more ties. But then again, maybe you'll see teams try and get a little more aggressive and get that touchdown late if they get the ball with, say, three minutes or less. And the team before you kicked a field goal. I don't know. I, we'll see what happens. I was reading somebody who may, was making the argument who basically was saying, do we even need to have the overtime at all now? Because you can make the same argument of becoming more aggressive at the end of the game if the team at the end of the game knows it's just going to end in a tie. We're not going to go to overtime. That's you know totally what I'm saying? true. So that, that makes the final three minutes of a football game that much more interesting because everybody knows, listen, we're either going to tie, we're not going to get a chance to go to overtime, so we need to be extra, ultra aggressive. And I kind of like that idea. Yeah, I kind of like that too. And that Don't... actually, that actually saves the players because now you're talking about you're you're not going any extra time. The the maximum amount is 60 minutes in a ball game, no overtime. That is actually going to be some player safety right there. Yeah, I see that. But I do you really think the teams aren't already going for it? The win late in games and no. I, I mean, I think, how often I think, times I think... do you really see a team say, okay, we're going to play for overtime. It's maybe a handful of times throughout the year, if that. No, but it's it's still like you're still settling for like the field goal. You know, you're going. To tie you're it. Still, yeah, are you still trying to ice the clock? Whatever well, it see, is. Well, see, in a situation like that, though, wouldn't you rather have the tie and kick the field goal? Well, maybe. I don't know. Just go for it on fourth and two for a touchdown. But yeah, I mean, I guess at the end of the game, you know, you're, it, you're playing. It all comes down to the same thing, but either way. It just that would actually do some player safety right there because that just ends the and and what does it matter if teams get ties? I mean, we had two ties last year. It didn't matter. I mean, what what does it really? How much does it actually? Likes ties. None of us like no, ties. No, none of us like ties. And I'm 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 with you in the sense that it's not as it's not as fun that way to have because I'm obviously I'm more about free football. Give it to me. Give me an hour. Give me give me the college overtime. We'll we'll sit here. I'll sit here all night and watch this thing. But it's not when you when you look at longevity for the players and what goes into the next week. Like then, if your team is p- playing at overtime the next week, I, I wonder what the numbers are for the f- the team the next week. If you went to overtime and you played a full fifteen, I bet they're minutes, not good. You probably your team is probably very not good the next week. Yeah, I would assume that it's pretty bad. And the team that has to come off of that the next week after playing an extra quarter of freaking football loses more often than not. That would be my guess. And yeah, we need to, we need to figure that, that, that out. That would be interesting to see. But I agree, taking off five minutes, well, yeah, sure, it'll help shorten it a little bit. This is, I think it was Bill O'Brien of the Houston Texans said, pretty much once you play the first ten minutes, the last five minutes of overtime, people are just trying to survive. Like You kind of know within the first ten what's going down, and, and each team's probably had their two possessions. And if it's still tied, then what the hell, we might as well just call this baby a tie. So... I get that, but in terms of the NFL trying to sell that it's a player safety deal, eh, I don't know so much about that. I don't know. That's just me.
But we will have Dr. John Michaels on uh, here in a moment. Yeah, we, yeah, we'll have to ask him about that and see if it matters. 0.06, 20, 20, I guess 20 plays out of a particular game, if that could actually really help somebody. Mm-hmm. I mean, the 0.06% chance really lays it out there that that's just, that's nothing. And you never know. You never know, I guess. But yeah, to me, ugh. I can't even remember a player getting hurt during overtime. And I'm sure that it's happened. But there's nothing that sticks yeah, out but to me. Yeah, but it's not even like you get hurt in overtime now. It's like, okay, now you're you're putting your body through things that it's like too exhausted to go through now. And even if you don't get hurt now, what's the long-term damage? And what's the going into the next week damage? Maybe you're more likely to get hurt the next yeah, Sunday. Yeah, true that. You know? So, That's I mean, actually probably a great point. The carryover effect and your body not having that extra time to recover. And you've also played an additional 20 plays or whatever it is. It all... It all adds up, man. It by, all adds up. Yeah, and by the way, the guy I got the stat from on ESPN is Kevin Seifert. He's the guy who wrote the article about the overtime and how his his angle and his stance was that it just really does not. I mean, it's not going to affect anything. When you just look at the sheer numbers of what it's going to do, you reduce five minutes in a game, that equals 20 plays. That is virtually nothing in the grand scheme of things. So uh, the NFL is always preaching player safety, and they do it when it's convenient for them, and they don't do it when it's not. But, uh, yeah, it's just an interesting thing that I'm looking forward to talking to the doc about, really. Yeah, I'm Dr. pretty John. excited about this. So, Dr. John Michaels Dr. J. is a pain management physician at Interventional Spine and Pain in Dallas, Texas. And he's got a phenomenal story. He started off as a left tackle, was drafted in the first round, pick number 27 out of USC by the Green Bay Packers, ended up starting... Maybe midway through his rookie season and winning a Super Bowl with the Green Bay Packers in 1996. And then he had a couple of knee injuries of his own that ended up ending his career short. And he made the decision to go back to school and become a physician, get his doctor's degree, and is now working successfully here in Dallas. And he, he actually has my grandfather as a client. And through my grandfather, I was able to work out getting Dr. John Michaels on. And I'm pretty excited. We're going to get, get to some, talk to him. We're going to get some dirt on your grandpa, aren't we? Well, my grandfather, and, and we've never had him on the show or talked about him much, but he is quite the character. Is he? Oh, he is a personality. Every grandpa's got every, Absolutely. Everybody's got the, a, a great grandpa, man, a, a quirky grandpa. I'm excited to uh, get the dirt on him. Yeah, and my grandfather is an absolute one of a kind, so it'll be funny to get that perspective. I mean, I think Dr. Michaels probably knows my grandfather in a different way, maybe a little bit better than I do. Definitely deeper. Yes. Well, joining us now is the very own Dr. John Michaels, joining Nosebleed Seats Podcast right here with Zach Wolchuk and Eric Giafalo. Dr. Michaels, how are you doing? Uh-oh. How's Uh-oh. it going, Dr. Michaels? Do you got us? Can you hear us? Doc? We're doing this weird two studio setup, so yeah, see, we're this trying is... to adjust to this a little bit. How unprofessional are we? I know we look terrible, and he can't even see us. I know. How's it going, guys? There we go. There, there he is. is. My that man. beautiful voice. Gosh, you sound like you a... guys were rocking me out there. I was getting my groove on. It was a good thing you couldn't see me either. Oh, <laughs> uh, you, everybody's That's got not a, a pretty sight. A six seven white guy trying to get his groove on is not a pretty. Look, sight. I'll tell you what, Doctor Michaels. We've seen your pictures here on Wikipedia. You're probably the sexiest man we've ever had on the show. Hard ten. 
<laughs> so you haven't had Brad Pitt on yet? No, no Brad Pitt. We talk, we've talked about him. We're trying to get him on one day, but he's he's on the wait list. Hey, but we got the next best thing, Doc, and that's you, my friend. Well, I appreciate well, it. I, I wouldn't even put myself in the same ballpark as someone like that, but I'm flattered. Well, I, I saw that at your playing weight you were listed. You said you were 6'7", so you're already tall and strapping, but you were 300 LBs back in the day, big strapping offensive lineman. I know a lot of times in the NFL, these big offensive linemen, they kind of they, they slim down a little bit after their playing days. Were you, were you kind of the same way? Was it easy or was it tough? It was easy. It was a challenge for me to keep the 300 pounds on. Gotcha. I was eating about 6,000 calories a day. I had to live in a gym to keep the weight on. So getting it to come off was not as difficult. Now, the last 20 or 30 pounds took a little bit of effort. But, you know, being 300 pounds, that's, that's not a natural weight to be at. I, I don't recommend that for too many people. That's probably a good recommendation. We were actually just talking about the NFL rule change, shortening from 15 to 10 minutes, and they're kind of publicizing it about a player safety thing. Being now a pain management doctor, do you think that that will have any benefit to players having that overtime shortened? I do. I think the less time they're spending on the field in in that kind of severity of contact, uh, especially after four full hard-fought quarters of football, Lessening that time is definitely going to be to the player's benefit. That game takes a physical toll, and especially as players get more and more fatigued, that's when injuries start to happen. Doc, what if I told you that uh, they should just do away with overtime uh, as a whole, at least in the regular season? Would you be in favor of that, or do you think they need to keep some form of overtime? You know, I think fans don't like seeing games end in a tie. So I think in order to keep the fans satisfied, having an overtime, having a decisive winner at the end of a contest, I think that's better for the game of football. I think that's why they're keeping the overtime rule in, just shortening the length of the period. Dr. Michaels, you had a pretty, it, it was shortened, of course, but a pretty awesome career looking at it. Won a Rose Bowl at USC, played at USC, and there's a lot of great legends, especially offensive lineman Anthony Munoz comes to mind. Looking back at your collegiate days, do you have one favorite moment or story that you like to share at those uh, parties where y'all come together? Well, I think the greatest moment was actually winning that Rose Bowl my senior again, senior year against Northwestern. When I got to USC, a few people remember that that 1991 football team, we were 3-8. and eight. Wow. We didn't even go to a bowl game. And when we talk about the storied history of USC football, that's one of the forgotten years. And that was my freshman year. So to finish my USC career, and the granddaddy of them all against a number two-ranked Northwestern team and winning that game, it's one of the greatest moments, not only in my football career, but in my life. Wow. Yeah, that Northwest, that's crazy. What uh, When you were going in college, you ended up being a first-round draft pick. Do you have one player, and I have a similar question when you were playing in the NFL, but you just have one guy that gave you fits on a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon. What was the toughest player you ever went up against? Either college or pro? Yes, or both. Well, the toughest guy that I played against in professional football was Reggie White in practice every day. Thank God he was on my team and I didn't have to face him on Sundays. The guy was a phenomenal athlete, incredibly powerful, incredibly quick, and was one of the the greatest football players I had ever been around. Um, and obviously one of the greatest to have ever put on a football uniform. Uh, in college, there was a guy named Reagan Upshaw out, out of Cal who ended up being the number four pick in the draft to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And 
he was an outstanding college player, played, played defensive end for Cal and uh, was an All-American and was just a stellar athlete, very quick, very explosive, and he was always posed a great challenge. The other guy who was outstanding was Teddy Bruschi, who had a phenomenal college career out of the University of Arizona, um, outside linebacker, rush defensive end type. He, at the time, and I'm not sure if he still does, held the NCAA all-time sack uh, record and then went on to have a phenomenal career with the New England Patriots, winning three Super Bowls with the Patriots and um, and as a New England Patriot Hall of Famer and now a broadcaster on ESPN. So that's some of the best players I ever played against and, and guys I still wake up in a cold sweat thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I know that you got, you got a chance to play with Brett Favre as well. Everybody knows Brett Favre. Now, some of the rumors go around that he's got such a cannon of an arm that he was breaking his receiver's fingers left and right. Do you have any? Can you attest to that? Did you see any breaking of fingers due to the velocity of that cannon arm Favre had? Well, I think the only concussion I ever uh, suffered in my NFL career was taking a Brett Favre ball off the back of my helmet. <laughs> oh, wow. Being a 6'7 left tackle every now and again, Brett wouldn't quite get it over the line. Oh, I mean, that's you, incredible. You take a, a Brett Favre line drive off the back of your head, you, you felt that for a while. So, yeah, the hardest hit I ever took in pro football was a Brett Favre ball off the back of my head. So how was Favre in the huddle? I think if my information is correct, you ended up coming in your rookie year and starting because a fellow USC Trojan, I think it was Ken Rutgers, went down due to a knee injury. So you're a rookie. You're thrown into things. You're in the huddle with number four, Brett Favre. What in the world is going through your mind? Well, my very first play with Brett Favre was actually in minicamp a week after the NFL draft. And like you said, I was starting right off the bat. So I get into the huddle and Brett walks up into the huddle and, and smacks me on the back of the helmet and says, hey, it's good to have you here, kid. And we start running plays, and I notice guys are kind of staring at me and snickering a little bit. I'm like, what the heck is going on? We finish the drill, pull my helmet off, and there's a giant bubblegum bubble stuck on the back of my helmet. <laughs> that was how Brett Favre welcomed me to the NFL. Oh, I love that. Do you have any good like rookie hazing stories, anything like that you can shed some light on? You know, Mike Holmgren didn't allow rookie hazing. He felt that the rookies had enough pressure on them trying to prepare week in and week out to perform at the NFL level that the last thing they needed to do was worry about any of their teammates causing problems for them. So rookie hazing was not allowed. But the one thing that we did have as an offensive line was a tradition that each week on Thursday nights we went out as an offensive line unit to a different restaurant in the Green Bay area, and one player had to pay the entire meal oh so inevitably as a rookie your time was going to come up and it was always kind of a screw your neighbor opportunity <laughs> so when you got there you ordered three appetizers oh yeah four oh, entrees yeah. and six desserts and five cocktails and you made sure that the bill was going to be stacked up on whoever was going to pay for it because your turn was going to come around and well and you so were with the offensive lineman right we got and you were, with the, you, you were with the offensive linemen, your teammates, right? So you were having to take out the big boys. Taking out the big boys. Those guys could eat. So when you've got, you know, nine or ten, 300-plus pound guys walking, sorry for the waitress. I don't think she had ever ran that hard than the night that our <laughs> offensive line walked into that restaurant. You had to make sure to tip them well because they took a beating just as much as the guy who had to pay the bill did. Oh, yes, that is awesome. She got a workout in that night. Well, I, I am curious because you are a doctor, so you are a smart, smart guy. You went to USC. I want to get your opinion on uh, 
you know, the 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 pain meds in the in the NFL, we talk about the things they use. We talk about it on, on this show, the Toradol, all the different uh, pills that they subscribe to these guys, as opposed to the the marijuana. Do you think there's a, a medical a place for medical marijuana in the NFL? I think we're coming to that day where we're going to realize that medical marijuana may be a very safe option, uh, much safer than a lot of the opioids that we're using. Uh, unfortunately, the government's a little behind the time right now. They don't even recognize any medical necessity at the moment for marijuana. And so it's still a Schedule One classified drug, which would be right up there with things like LSD. And uh, even cocaine is a Schedule Two because it's used for some surgical techniques. But uh, right now, they don't recognize any medical necessity for marijuana. But it's going to change. We've already seen states, I believe it's 25 states now, have legalized it at least in some form, whether it be medical or recreational. And the more we are able to do greater research, um, I think we're going to recognize that there is going to be a lot of benefits, especially in the pain management field with marijuana. We're just not there yet. I completely agree with that. Going back to that 96 Packers team, obviously went on and won the Super Bowl, and now you live in Dallas. Heck, you know my grandfather and the crazy Cowboy fan that he is. The Packers had issues getting over the hump with the Cowboys. In that 96 season, the Carolina Panthers were an upstart team. They knocked out Dallas in the divisional round, and Carolina ends up going to Green Bay for that NFC Championship game. Was that something that you were paying attention to or the Packers were as a team? thinking, oh, we got the Cowboys possibly coming up, and was there a little sense of relief when Carolina was coming to Lambeau versus having to play Dallas again? I think we were hoping for a rematch of the Ice Bowl. I mean, what a storied game looking back at the history of it. and You know, Bart Starr with that sneak right at the end to win the championship, and I think that was kind of what we were looking for. We knew it was going to be a really cold week in Green Bay, and that rivalry is just a phenomenal rivalry, and the tradition that those two organizations, the Green Bay Packers and the Dallas Cowboys, have, we were partially hoping to continue that legacy on and, and get to play the Cowboys that week. But on the NFL, any given Sunday, anybody can win, and what a tremendous season the Carolina has had that year. Terry Collins was their quarterback and led them to a tremendous record. And so having the opportunity to have them come in and play in that game, it was a bitter cold day in Green Bay. I remember running off the field, and as soon as you took your helmet off, my hair was frozen, had icicles in it. And as cold as it was on the sideline, at least I got to run around and play. I can't imagine those four fans sitting on those metal bleachers up in Lambeau Field for three hours. Yeah, with their shirts off and the cheese heads on, they seem like they just embrace the cold in Lambeau. Uh a lot of alcohol flows in that stadium, and those people are a little bit numb by the time of kickoff. And so a, a little greasy paint on their stomach is enough coating that they need to uh, keep warm throughout a game like that. Is the cheese in Green Bay all that it's cracked up to be? It's amazing. I'm it a cheese really guy. Is. I mean, we're all cheese guys, aren't we? Do you have a favorite? Well, you know what? I'm a huge cheese fan, and so I don't know that I've had a cheese that I don't like, but my favorite's probably brie. I, I just think it's a standard go-to, creamy, good texture. You eat it on fruit. You can eat it on cracker. You can eat it on anything. Oh, my gosh. That sounds delicious, Doc. I've never heard of brie. That sounds like some uh, like some pretty classy cheese there. There's a little fancy French, French cheese. Heck, yeah. Heck, um, yeah. But, uh, hey, you, I mean, you can't go wrong. Give me a classic cheddar. Give me a Swiss. I, I, I'm game for all of it. I love it. No, I couldn't, be, I couldn't agree more. Uh, now, speaking of can't go wrong, 
Now you're from you're from or you went to school in uh, California and you live in Texas now. Uh, where are the women prettier? Because we discuss this all the time. Is it a Texas? Are you a Texas girl kind of guy? Or are you a Cali girl kind of guy? You know what? They each have their own class. Sure. And, and talk about two states that just have absolutely drop dead gorgeous women. I mean, you can walk around downtown Dallas and just your head will spin. But Southern California is the same way. And if you've ever walked through USC's campus, um, do it in the springtime. Go just take a five-minute stroll across campus, and you, your eyes will roll into the back of your skull. That sounds like a it's, dream uh, scenario. Oh, I'm sure you cleaned up, Doc. Back, it, in, the, it, back in the days, man. Yeah. Well, and you were a med student. So you're a med student and you're a football player. I well, mean, it must no, have just so been amazing. So you actually amazing. went back to med school after your playing days. What went into that decision after your career? You went from Green Bay. You won the Super Bowl your rookie year, which, my gosh, we were having so much fun. I didn't even ask you. How amazing was that feeling to win a Super Bowl your first year in the league? You know, every now and again, I have to pull that ring out of its safe deposit box and oh, take a yeah. look at it and go, oh, yeah, that really happened it still can be somewhat of a surreal experience because I was that kid at five, six, seven, eight years old who dreamed of playing in that game. Now, obviously, as a kid, you dream of catching the winning touchdown pass or throwing the winning touchdown pass. You don't necessarily imagine blocking some big fat guy so someone else could do that. But the ability to play in that game and win that game, I mean, so few people – in the history of mankind and in the history of football have had that opportunity. So I, I first of all recognize what an immense blessing that was. And like I said, sometimes it's just surreal that it actually happened. How often can you stand there and say, a lifelong dream has actually come true? It's really incredible. Uh, congratulations. You are a champion for life with that Super Bowl ring. And that was an unbelievable Green Bay Packers, Green Bay Packers team. So you end up, you play for, for Green Bay from 96 to 98, and then you had the knee injury, you went to Philadelphia, and then your last year in the league, was it 1999 or 2000? 99. 99. Take us through that kind of process. So, unfortunately, you've got the knee injury. You're facing that kind of adversity in that time in your life. What led up to the decision where you're going to go back to school, go to med school at USC, and you ended up graduating in 2008? Well, I left Philadelphia knowing my knee was not right. It, It hurt every step that I took. I couldn't run effectively. Every time I put any pressure or tried to cut off that leg, it was like a lightning bolt shooting through my knee. So I went back to USC, had another surgery, uh, hoping to correct the problem because I just wanted to go back and play in the NFL. I had always dreamed of playing 15 years, having a Hall of Fame career, and I still had those goals in 99. The second knee surgery didn't take. I went out to go see a knee specialist who did a special procedure called a microfracture procedure. Um, his name was Richard Stedman. He was the Denver Broncos team doctor in Vail, Colorado. Uh, had the microfracture performed on my knee. That didn't take. Went back and had another surgery by Dr. Stedman, um, which also didn't take, and ended up uh, going back to USC one more time because my knee actually locked on me in a bent position. I started to lose feeling in my foot and had to have another emergency surgery to correct that. And it was that last surgery where I went, okay, writing's on the wall. You're not going back to play. You can't get this knee rehabilitated to the point where it can take the day in and day out wear and tear of playing in the National Football League. 
what am I going to do with the rest of my life? And during that process of having all those surgeries and the frustration of realizing this injury may cause me to lose my greatest dream in life. I said, you know what? If I can keep that from happening to someone else, then that would be a life well lived. So in 2002, I went back to USC and started taking pre-medical classes to prepare to take the MCAT and apply to medical medical school because I had no plans of becoming a doctor. I was a religious studies major, so I hadn't had any science in my background. So I had to go back to school, take physics, organic chemistry, biochem, biology, all these courses, take the MCAT, and then applied to medical school and was fortunately accepted at the University of Southern California in 2004 and was able to graduate in 2008. Wow, unbelievable story. Yeah, that really is incredible. And Do you still have, I mean, what are the effects of all those knee surgeries and all those injuries? I mean, is, how much does that affect you today? If I don't mess with my knee, it doesn't mess with me. So I know what my limitations are. There are things I just can't do anymore. I can't go play a game of pickup basketball. I can't go play racquetball. I can't go play softball. Anything that's going to require me to run or have a lot of impact on my knee, I just can't do it. So I had to change the way that I viewed my athleticism and the way that I exercise. Actually, in my 30s, I took up surfing, being a good Southern California boy, figured, hey, take advantage of the ocean. Shaka brah. Yeah, exactly. And so I get to hang loose out there on a surfboard, and that changed my life. I, it's Surfing is one of those sports that, first of all, is an incredible amount of hard work. It's, it's really fatiguing. You get a great cardiovascular exercise. It's a bunch of rapid sprints followed by nice, easy strokes. And, and so you get really winded. You get great upper body strength. But you have so much fun doing that sport that you forget that you're exercising. And that's my idea of exercise. I want to have so much fun that I forget that I'm actually exercising. Yeah, you and me and both. Often, oftentimes I would end a surf session because I couldn't move my arms anymore. I was so tired. I was like, yeah, guess I'm done. All right, so we're, so, going, we're taking a spring trip to California with Dr. Michaels, and you're going to teach us how to surf. Is that right? Oh, amen. Let's do it. Let's do it. When the, when the girls are at their peak pretty, baby, in the spring Cali sun, I'm down. Absolutely, and when the sharks leave the water right now, it's a little sharky out there right now. My uh, father-in-law's in town, and he's from San Diego, and, and uh, April and May, there's been a few too many great white shark sightings off the coast, so there's a lot of people staying out of the water right now. What brought you to Dallas? So now you're working in Dallas with pain management physician at Interventional Spine and Pain. How did you end up California, Green Bay, Philadelphia? What brought you to the Big D? My wife is a financial executive. She was working with J.P. Morgan Chase. She got a call from the former president of J.P. Morgan Chase, who was doing a startup mortgage banking company here in Dallas, said that he would like her to be their chief technology officer. It was a great career move for her, and I figured I can practice medicine anywhere. So we made the jump and came out to Dallas. Wow. And uh, speaking of USC, this year, high expectations for the Trojans, Sam Darnold, is the darling of the college football world. What are your expectations as a former alum? Well, for them to finish last year, starting off the season with three losses and to finish the season, the number three ranked team in the country is just a testament to, first of all, the resiliency of that program, uh, the faith that they showed in Clay Helton as a head coach, and just the tradition and expectation of, of dominance at USC. 
Sam Darnold as a freshman to come out and have the season that he had last year to show that kind of poise, especially if you saw that Rose Bowl game. I may be a little biased, but still one of the best football games I have ever watched. And for Sam Darnold to be behind by that much and to stand there with such great poise and lead that team back to victory in the fashion that he did, it's no reason. There's, there's no doubt that he is the leading candidate for the Heisman Trophy this year. And, uh, and the expectations are very high that this team should be competing for a national championship. Well, obviously, you're a former uh, fo- college football player at a high level. What are your thoughts on the NCAA and should they pay players uh, or, or do you think they get you know, scholarships? Are those enough? You know, it's a really slippery slope when you talk about paying players' salaries. I want to make sure that players are taken care of. I remember being a Division One athlete at USC, and we got the same scholarship that someone who lived in central Iowa got without taking into account that the cost of living in Los Angeles is significantly higher. So there were days where we struggled to have three square meals a day, and we weren't allowed to get jobs whereas an average student could get a job. So there was no way to supplement our income. And if you didn't have a family who had the means to give you some extra money, it was very difficult. So I think the NCAA has recently done a better job making sure that athletes are getting fed well, that their housing situations are well taken care of, and that their college experience can be a little bit more well-balanced. So I think as long as the NCAA makes sure that there's some fairness based on uh, geographical locations where athletes are are living and playing and going to school that that they're making sure that you know a kid in Los Angeles is going to be able to make up for the difference in his cost of living versus a kid who may live in in one of the central states where the cost of living isn't as much then I don't think there's a need to pay for players because you know, if you pay them, all of a sudden that uh, amateur versus professional status becomes very very fuzzy. Um, but I get the challenge, you know, Ed O'Bannon out of UCLA, great basketball player, um, had some issues that they were using his likeness in video games that, that the NCAA was profiting millions of dollars off of the use of his likeness and he wasn't getting anything. It's, it's tough. It's tough. And, and whether or not you put aside a trust for players that if, if they've had great success, and the NCAA is, is able to profit in large manners um, off of the likeness of a player that maybe he can benefit once his college career is done um, from the use of his likeness and, and the profits that are obtained because of that. Well, And what about just the, the sport of football as a whole, as a former player, someone who's been affected physically with uh, obviously the amount of injuries you've had, um, and, and now being a doctor, is the, is the sport of football, is that, is that something you would let your kids play? Would you feel comfortable playing that, or is that a sport that you don't even want them going near? No, I would never deny my kids if they were interested in playing the game of football. It gave me such gifts in life, uh, something that I, I would have never been able to receive had I not played football. Just the experiences alone uh, of getting to travel the world, see a lot of this country, I've gotten to meet presidents and governors and, and, and get to have those experiences of winning championships and the teammates and the camaraderie, it's invaluable. That being said, I would never force a kid to play this game. You have to love it. You have to want to play it. It is not a natural sport. There is nothing natural about running full speed headfirst into another human being. So unless that's something that is 
innately wired into your DNA, there are other ways to find that kind of camaraderie. But I would never deny another human being the experiences that I have. And knowing what I know now, I'd go back and do it all over again. Gotcha. Well, Doc, since I got you on here, I mean, while I have you, I've been having this sciatic pain, and and I'm curious, do I need to be icing this thing? What do I need to be doing, man? Well, when you talk about sciatic pain, there's a lot of different definitions for that. So are you talking about pain that runs from your low back all the way down your leg? Yeah, I'm talking about in the hammies and whatnot. Absolutely. Okay, and so the most likely cause from that is a bulging disc in your low back. Wonderful. Pushing against a nerve root. Great. Sounds awesome. And our nerves don't like to get touched. When they get touched by a disc bulge or even the substance inside that disc, they become irritated and inflamed. So if this is something that you've had for longer than maybe a week or so and it's not going away, that's something you want to go see a doctor and get evaluated. You may need an MRI to evaluate the discs in your lumbar spine, and you may even need an injection to calm that inflammation down. I can't set an uh, set up an appointment right now, can I? That'd be uh, I got to call. You got somebody I call, or what? I can be a mediator. I'll be the personal secretary. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Put me down. Yeah, definitely put me down. Well, also, uh, and and I know Walchick's embarrassed to ask, but I'm going to do it for him. He he's had this rash, Doc, and he's had it for a while now, and and it, he can't get rid of it. Any recommendations for his rash? You know, the sad thing is herpes never goes away. <laughs> Um, you just can't get rid of it. It's something we don't have a cure for. And uh, so, unfortunately. <laughs> hey, you said it, Doc. You hey, said I'll it. just keep putting some ointment on there. Dr. John Michaels on the Nosebleed Seats podcast. Zach Wolchek alongside Eric Chiafalo. Oh, this is amazing. I got to ask Dr. Michaels, talking about that Packers-Cowboys rivalry, it really has been. It's It's even ramped up now the last two years in 2014. You had an amazing divisional game this past year. The comeback, the Rodgers throw, the kick from God. Mason Crosby looks like it's hooking, hooks back in. Packers go to the NFC title game. I got to ask you, though, Des caught it, didn't he? Oh, absolutely, 100%. (laughs) Thank you. And we refer to it as the catch-no catch because according to NFL rules, it wasn't a catch. According to every human being on the planet, other than the NFL officiating committee, it was a catch. It was a catch. I mean, why can't we just use human judgment? These rules are too specified. I don't know what a catch is, what is not a catch. But if everyone at the bar and everyone you're with looks at a play and says, that's a catch, come on. Trust human the drunk judgment. Guy. Let's go. Trust the drunk, the drunk guy at the bar. Know. Yeah, and they changed that last year. They actually recognized from that very play what is a catch and what is not a catch is too confusing. The rules committee every year after the season is over gets together and determines what rules do we need to change to make the game flow better and to make it more logical for the fan. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You played with Brett Favre, having watched Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if you've had the chance to ever meet Aaron, but those two quarterbacks, there's a conversation now in Packers history. Who's better, Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers? What's your opinion on that? You know, I think it's an impossible comparison to make. They're two completely different styles of football, both Hall of Fame quarterbacks. I mean, you want to throw Bart Starr into that yeah, comparison certainly. as well? I mean, and again, Bart was. I don't know that you can necessarily say who was the greatest. Um, Bart obviously won more Super Bowls than either of the other two. Um, Brett was a player unlike any other who's ever played that position. 
I think one, arguably one of the toughest players to ever play in the National Football League, played with injuries and, and, and played with circumstances like his father dying, um, and never let anything keep him from going out and performing at the highest level of that game. He played with an unorthodox style, and he was just a heck of a fun guy to watch play football. He enjoyed playing football more than anybody has enjoyed doing anything ever. So that style was just really contagious and fun to watch. Aaron is a machine. I mean, seeing this guy throw Hail Marys like it was you and I playing pitch and catch in the backyard is ridiculous. And the poise that he has, the throw that he made, again, on the sideline to give them the opportunity to win that game, nobody else makes that throw. That's vintage Aaron Rodgers, the poise that he has, the character that he shows. It's, it's really an apples and oranges comparison. I think the two will go down as two of the greatest quarterbacks to have ever played in the NFL. But to say which one's better, it's like, which kid do you love more? Yeah, certainly. You're splitting hairs between all-time greats. Before we let you go, Doc, I got to say, how big of a handful is my grandfather to deal with? You're, he is one of my all-time favorites. Both your grandfather and your grandmother are just a joy to have come into the office. Oh, that, oh, is a, that is a relief to hear. You don't have to say that. It's okay. It's a safe space. No, I, you know, I, I call him Bluey. He told me to call him Bluey. He talked <laughs> about the tree trunks that he had, and thank God I never had to face him in his prime, too. He didn't knock me on my butt. Oh, He's I've heard got some that stories. kind of spunk and tenacity that – you love seeing, and they're just two of the most lovable characters you could ever be around. I, I love them both. Well, I'm so happy that he's come in there and been, you know, I, I always worry. It's tough to let him go out there in public without me sometimes, but he is quite <laughs> the personality, and I love him dearly. Absolutely. He's, he, like I said, one of my favorites. All right, Doc, can we get you to be officially the official physician of No Split Seats Podcast? Is that something I feel like we've connected here on an emotional level? That sounds great. Anytime, guys. Love being on with you. Yeah, a lot of fun. Woo! All right, we have our official physician. So anytime we have any sports injuries, any weird things that happen, you're going to be our guy, Doc. Just keep your usual rashes to yourself. Yeah, I'll, I'll make sure not to spread that if you say so. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Doctor John Michaels. It's been a pleasure and an honor. Congratulations on all the success throughout your both of your careers, your playing days and now. Uh, your doctoring days, and keep my grandfather in check if you don't mind. Will do. Thanks, guys. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. We'll talk to you, you soon. Too. There he is, the great Dr. John Michaels, the Super Bowl champion, the Rose Bowl champion, the NFL Rookie of the Year. Offensively in 1996, he is the man, and now he can add the official physician of Nosebleed Seats podcast to that outstanding resume. Gosh, he was great. He really he was. was. You hear the voice. Oh, my God. And it's like, how in the world has he not been? He sounds like an angel. Oh, my gosh. He can come and be a third How is he not a commentator yeah, somewhere on some Lord. network right now? Jeez, man. He sounds beautiful. He's, He's got the golden pipes. Seven. Yeah. He surfs. He's a Cali boy. He's a doctor. And he's the official physician of Nosebleed Seats, baby. I mean, that's incredible. He helped, Hell yeah. He helped Walchick out with his rash. He's helped me out with my sciatic pain. Well, this is great, man. I think that rash might be more eczema than than herpes, but that's okay. Yeah, well, I, you're still in denial. I've been telling you. I've been telling you. Always. Deny till you die, baby. <laughs> deny 
till you freaking die. Thank you, Dr. Michaels, man. That was wonderful. It really was. No Split Seats podcast. Eric Chiafalo alongside myself, Zach Wolchuk, and producer Bab. Let's just keep this football train rolling because this has oh, just been Henley? so much fun. And I hope you don't mind. I, I had to hear just some of that insight of the Cowboys. Yeah, Packers. I know you did. I know, did you, I mean, I know you needed fun. to get it's that fun. in there. And anytime yeah. I can get some more verification of like Des caught it, it just makes me feel better about myself. Helps you sleep at night. I, we should have asked if he was uh, if he was a Desbian. Mm. It's all right. We're going to get him on again. We'll talk to him again. We'll talk to him again soon. But speaking of broadcasters, Tony Romo. Wait. I thought he was a. No, no, no! Tony Romo is a quarterback. He's, he's shifted to the booth. Eric, did you miss that? Oh no! Wait, no! I thought he was. Uh, I thought he was a basketball player. Now, isn't he playing for the he Mavs? He plays a little bit of basketball. Oh, he did do that for a time. He did do that. He tried that out. Uh, golfing. Tried to be a pro golfer. Yeah, that's right. He dabbles in golf. He's really a jack of all he trades. Does that. And he's still one percent uncertain if he'll ever come to the NFL or not again. It would have been. You know, it would be really cool for him to just solidify his career in sports if he if he like called some games, like if he became a broadcaster. Well, he's and, like, doing that. Games. He's going to do that. So yeah, really? yeah, he he signed on with CBS. Way to go, Tony! So he's gonna be the color guy alongside Jim Nance. But we got some news. He's actually going to make his broadcasting debut from the 18th hole during coverage of the Dean and DeLuca Invitational in Fort Worth, Texas, which I assume will be on CBS. So that's, that's something to look forward to. Right in our backyard. Hey, he's a co-worker. We're, he we're all CBS guys He's here. all part of the CBS family. Hey. Hell yeah, intern. Yes. There you go. Draw cohort. Now, baby. what I need you to do here, Eric, first and foremost, make yeah. yourself look good. Give it to me, boss. Second, make me look good. Ooh, that's going to be, well, if you bring those nipples with you, we're going to be good. Sweet. Third, or that rash. All of that, <laughs> we'll, we'll put the rash aside. All of that will indeed make the podcast look good. And fourth of all, do a good enough job where you can get a freaking part-time or full-time job with me, please. Yeah. And we can just translate this baby onto CBS Airwaves, which is our goal. That is the goal. It's a, it's, That's the ultimate dream, baby. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to happen. But It's the step in the right direction. I, let me ask you a question. Do Growing it. up, I know, hey, you were a Dolphins fan. Yeah. But you didn't get to hear, you know, the, the Pat Summerall and the John Madden on calling all the Cowboys games. You know, I mean, you, you probably got to hear it. They weren't calling the Dolphin games, though, because they were calling all the Cowboy games. The Cowboys are kind of a big deal. Oh, yeah, They yeah, would yeah. always get that, like, primetime Fox Sports slot. Every blue moon, you know, Miami would get a Thanksgiving game against Dallas. Yeah. I'd get to hear John hey, Madden there call were, a game. there was a classic. There's been two, yeah. actually, that I can remember. A classic Cowboys came out Dolphin on top? Games. Who came out on top of both of those uh, games, the one actually? Of, oh, yes, you're right. The Dolphins did win both of them. They am right. They did. Well, you can thank Leon Lett for the one the snow game yep in dallas Thanks appreciate you leon. leon i can thank ricky williams for the other one <sighs> yeah you can good times baby but lance barrow who is uh one of the head honchos there at lance. cbs co-worker of ours actually did i just hear he's got some audio here bab get the audio cut ready okay get it ready bab but he had some pretty high praise for tony romo comparing him to be the next john freaking madden what I think it's going to be great. Tony Romo's been on on our radar for a long time. Um, and there's few other announcers at other networks who's also spoke very highly of Tony. He has a lot of energy, big personality, uh, wants to do it. Uh, he's the first guy in the history of any sport who's gone right from the field to the booth as the number one announcer. Even John Madden didn't do that. Uh, he was doing other games for about two or three years. Uh, he has a great partner in Jim Nance, the best in the business. Um, I think he will do great. Uh, only time will tell. You know, a lot of athletes think they can do TV because they talk well and 
They have a good personality until I'm talking to them in their ear, Jim Nance is talking to them in the ear, and they have to cut down what they usually say in two minutes to about five seconds. You know, like I always said, John Madden, there probably will never be another John Madden in our lifetime. There will not, never be another David Faraday in our lifetime. Uh, because John Madden can make Gatorade buckets seem interesting by doing a telestrator. And David Faraday, there was somehow, maybe because of the accent, could get it across differently than most people. Gary McCord is the same way. Um, but Tony will, will get that chance. I was at a function that made a lot of news today, shockingly, that Romo was DJing last night. Uh, Matt and Lisa Rose, the chairman of Burlington Northern, had myself and Tony Romo and Joe Jordan, Ezekiel Elliott, Coach Patterson was there uh, performing and, and, and trying to raise money for a, a battered women's house. And Romo was the DJ. And it was all over news this morning, national news, of Tony Romo DJing. And it was amazing to see his personality in a, in a setting that wasn't football. So I think we have the next John Madden on our hands. I really do. Of course, a lot of people are going to hate him because he was a Cowboy quarterback already. Yeah. But a lot of people are going to like him because he's, he's that way. And I think he will do great. And obviously having the great Jim Nance sitting next to him will be something. And I will give you a little, little note. This weekend, for the first time ever, he will be in the announced booth at 18 for a few moments. And it will be the first time that he will have the CBS Sports Blazer on, and he will be introduced as our newest edition of CBS Sports. Oh, yeah. So get your popcorn ready for Tony Romo in the booth. And, you know, he's got to say, there's always a lot of haters, a lot of haters, man, for Cowboy players in general. And I'm sure people are going to criticize Tony Romo out the wazoo. But for me growing up, Pat Summerall's the greatest play-by-play -play guy of all time for me, my hero. But John Madden as a color man really took it to the next level. If Tony Romo is anywhere on the same caliber of John Madden, hell freaking yeah, he's going to have an awesome career. Those are some big, big compliments there. Old boy Lance Barrow just really set the Barrow pretty freaking high yes. for Mr. Romo. About as high as you can I mean, can geez, be dude. He just totally—I mean, you know what I like to do? It's kind of like my little trick that I like to do to people. I like to do it to everybody. I set the expectation. I set the bar so low that I, I, all I, there's no way I can't overachieve, man. I mean, that's, that's the secret sauce right there. And Lance just totally let the cat out of the bag. And now Romo's going to go in there with the weight of the world on his shoulders. I mean, practically, John Madden. And uh, that's just that's going to be tough for Romo. So you're like that under-promise, over-deliver guy? That's me. I'm going to promise you like the bare minimum here, but I'm going to try and go out of my way to make sure that it's done better than I that. I know I'm going to be way better than that. There you go. Well, yeah, I like that, you know, because expectations are everything. I expect Tony—he's right, though. I mean, anytime I've gotten to see Tony Romo— in interviews or in any kind of setting where he's just laying laid back being himself, Romo's got a heck of a personality. He really does. And I think if he can bring that out in the booth, it's going to be fun to watch. The question for me is we talk about the voice. I I'm a big thing on, you know, how's the voice sound? So like Dr. John Michaels, big, booming, sexy, sexy freaking voice, right? Phenomenal voice. Romo, for me, that's the one thing I'm not sure about. I, I think he's just got an average voice. I don't know if it'll if that'll really put him. John Madden was, for instance, booming, sexy voice. You hear John Madden, boom. You know that's Madden. Romo, for me, 
I'm going to have to test that out. I'm not so sure. Well, Madden was a little bit more boisterous. That's why I don't really like the comparison at all because I don't think, I mean, he's not going to be, he's not John Madden. Like, that's not the kind of personality he is. He's a little bit more, he's a, he, he's a little bit more melancholy. He's goofy, though. He's he definitely going to have a lot more spice than Phil Sims yes, but did. I just don't know if it's going to be that Madden energy. You know what I'm saying? Because that's what Madden's kind of known for, that, that energy. And Romo's going to need to kind of bring that if he's going to be anywhere close to Madden. But, man, Lance just really set the high for your boy Tony. Well, so you're going to have Tony compared to the number one. So right now you got Aikman and Buck. And Aikman is is very informative, I think. Aikman's not a guy that adds a whole lot of personality and flavor of his own, but he's just going to give you good information, keep within the game, and inform the fans, right? I love Aikman. I think him and Buck, everybody hates on Buck, especially baseball Buck fans, but I don't really, hate on baseball fans. Because I love Buck for baseball, but for football, he bothers me a little bit. Wow, that's crazy. I think crazy. he's big time, and it's weird because he's a, a St. Louis guy, and now that the Rams obviously left from St. Louis and they're in L.A., but he always feels like an East Coast bias kind of dude for me. Oh, jeez. Well, he you're does. a Cowboys fan, so of course uh, well, you feel that way. And he goes out of his way to an- be anti-Cowboys because Troy is a Cowboys Yeah, I mean, there's got to be some sort of healthy balance there. It can't just be the Cowboys freaking broadcast. An, an awesome job ever since the first year he went, and he was pretty Cowboy homer. And he got a lot of backlash for that. He has gone out of his way now. I think he is more than neutral and fair. And for the young audience out there, if they're not reminded every five seconds about his three Super Bowl rings and the fact that he is a former Cowboys quarterback, if you didn't know that going into it, I, I think you wouldn't be able to tell. I think he's pretty neutral now. Well, when you talk about the NFL color analyst, you're talking about a Troy Aikman when you're talking about the best of the best, and you're talking about uh, Chris Collinsworth does Sunday night football. Yes, and then Gruden on Monday night. Who do you? What's your flavor? Uh, my favorite of the three, I probably would, would lean towards Troy. I like Gruden a lot, and I've met people that don't. But I was a color guy for football. See, I think Gruden's more like Madden. He's a little too. bit more personality, exactly. character, boisterous a little bit, inner, uh, high energy, high octane kind of guy. And for me, that's how it is. If I'm doing play-by-play for TV, Pat Summerall, what made him great is he told you a lot in very little words. He kind of just said maybe three words here and there, sprinkled it in, because you're able to watch it. It's not radio. You've got to paint the picture. You're watching what's happening. So all you really need to say is Brady throws, touchdown, Patriots. But the way that Summerall delivered it was just freaking gold. And then you've got the charisma of Ma- of Madden here, like, boom, you're going to X, Y, he's going to fill the gap here, and boom, knocks him on his turduck and blah, blah, you know, Brett Favre, Brett Favre, Brett Favre. You know, it's, it's greatness. And for me, Gruden is probably the closest. I completely agree to a Madden in terms of that. And he fit nicely. I loved him and Tariko were good. Now you've got Sean McDonough. I think that we can replace Sean McDonough. Well, I, think, I think we could get a better play-by-play guy for Monday Night Football. Bab, why don't you get in there, do some play-by-play Monday night, fill in for Dunham. If they want me. They need that voice, baby. Look at that. But I think, and Bab can attest, because Bab was play-by-play for me while I did color. I think I was more Gruden-like than any of the other three. Well, what say you, Bab? Give me your 411 and my your criticism on my color abilities. Yeah, how bad? Scale of 1 to 10. <laughs> Now you you kind of reminded me of the Gruden in a way. It's kind of you had that that energy de- style delivery, but you still got enough information across to paint a good picture of okay, here's what happened beyond just me saying, "All right, he took the ball up to the 20." There we go. All right, so there you go. So you're a Madden kind of guy. I'm a Madden kind of so, guy. And you're a Gruden kind of guy. So Tony guy. Romo, you got some work to do, baby, because I'll tell you what. I'll get in the booth and go one-on-one with you. I'll try to take that job.
Ooh, do you think you can hang on the golf course? No, no, I can't even hit the. He would absolutely destroy me. I can't even get it off the tee. It's like slow dribblers, man. See, no, but I'm just disappointed that he, he the first time we're going to see him calling any sporting event on CBS is going to be golf. I wanted, I wanted that, I wanted that build up so I could get that ultimate climax for the first time I see him calling some freaking ball. Well, Lance Barrow did say it's just going to be for a couple moments, right? It's kind of just like a formal introduction. So he's just a chimer, kind yeah, of. Yeah, I think it's just to a, say, like, look, here's Tony Romo. On one single hole. Just a tease, just a tip, right? I think that's kind of what they're going for. Yeah, I just I just wanted that ultimate buildup for the football season to see him. But, man, they just put some high pressure on him. They did, and he was already going to be super criticized, but now you compare him to Madden, holy yeah. moly. Yeah, it's going to be tough for him, but, hey, we'll see what happens. I guess it'll be uh, in Fort Worth this weekend. He's calling some... Call some golf. How about that? How you get the Byron Nelson locally in Las Colinas this yeah, past weekend, and now hit this, the back-to-back. This invitational in Fort Worth, yeah. I love going back-to-back. Lots back. of golf. Tis the season, right? Jordan Smith didn't even make the cut of the Byron Nelson. Yeah, I didn't course. even realize that. That's not, yeah. that's not good. Home court advantage usually gets him in. No, Jordan Spieth. And that's the thing with Spieth, man. He's so talented, but he is just so hot and cold. You never know what Spieth you're going to get. He's either going to be the best in the world, or you're going to get a guy that can't even make the cut like last week. It's, it's bizarre. It's that mental frailty. To me, that kind of just speaks to the dominance of Tiger Woods in his heyday, man. Yeah. Nobody I, that I have seen personally in our generation, you've got the the greats, the the Jack Nicholsons and, and those, the Arnold Palmer's. Nicholas. And, Nicholas. Nicholas. N- not, not, the not the actor. Not the actor. You just made Jack Nicholas. 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 Not Nicholson. A golfer. Not, not the actor. Uh, the, the great golfers from the heyday. But today, man, it, it's so, you've got... Dustin Johnson, you've got Jordan Spieth, you've got Phil Mickelson, you've got all these guys that'll sprinkle in maybe one big major a year, but Tiger Woods just freaking dominated the field for, I mean, what felt like the course of a decade, and obviously his career just went tumbling out of control, and now he's not, he's too injured, he can't even participate, but man, how dominant and great was Tiger in the day, and I think that that's kind of what golf's lacking right now, is that one figurehead face of the sport, and you know, they tried it with Rory for a little bit, but they haven't had that guy ever since Tiger. Well, that's why they're bringing in Tony Romo. Come save the day. Yeah, at the 18th hole. So Bring golf back. Boost those ratings. There make, you go. Make golf great again. Make golf great again with Tony Romo. At least the one to do it. We're going to take a quick break when we get back. We uh, will probably get a little weird. We'll talk a little NBA, and then we'll shift into more NFL news because there's always stuff going on in the National Football League. But we will pause for a moment. Let's hear from uh, our sponsor, the Diamond Broker. Hello, I'm Robert of The Diamond Broker. Over the past 30 years, many jewelry stores have come and gone, but we are still here. We were one of the first companies to offer diamonds from the cutters directly to the public. We are Dallas's original diamond broker, with an A-plus rating at the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied customers. Located on the northeast corner of Preston and Forest, The Diamond Broker has been the go-to source for loose diamonds, engagement rings, bracelets, pendants, and diamond studs. I guarantee that you will not find a better company than the Diamond Broker to buy from. Want proof? Come see our walls filled with pictures of our satisfied customers. Ask around. Someone you know has done business with us. This holiday, visit the Diamond Broker for an engagement ring, pre-owned Rolex, or a special diamond gift for your loved one. The Diamond Broker, Dallas original Diamond Broker, located on the northeast corner of Preston and Forest in Dallas, or on the web at diamondbrokerdallas.com. Welcome back to the Nosebleed Seats Podcast. Zach Wolchuk alongside Eric Chiafalo, producer Bab. It's the show everyone 
can afford to listen to hashtag compoise hashtag hugs and ham pounds everybody thank you for joining us if uh you missed it earlier which there's no reason you would have this is on a freaking podcast but we had the great dr john michaels on to open the show we talked a little bit about the nfl new overtime rules and uh, we just actually finished up talking about tony romo making his debut but i think now it's time to segment and get a little weird guys what do you guys think you know i'm always ready for that give it to me let's just get vaped out right now i'm looking to get weird that's weird man Time to get weird with Walt Jumping, baby. Let's get weird. Let's get weird. Let's get weird. Let's get weird. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, what you got for us today, Walt? Episode number 16, Let's Get Weird with Walt Chunk, baby. First and foremost, I want to follow up on last week. Oh, yeah? Breaking news? Yeah, you guys remember homeboy uh, P. Diddy? You got a P. Uh, P. Diddy? Vesmar. No, no, no. This is not P. Diddy. Unfortunately, oh. there's no follow-up news that I have on P. Diddy. Okay, cool. But I do have follow-up news on Brandon Vesmar, who is suing his date for texting in that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 film. Yes, the weird 37-year-old Tinder guy. Yeah, well, and it actually came out. They met on Bumble. This was a Bumble date. Oh, okay. Okay, you're familiar. Yes, I am. I, I, I actually had a Bumble date last night. Oh, went pretty well. Yeah. Yes. Two thumbs up. Two thumbs up. One thumb in. No thumbs in. Sucks. But okay. Yeah. Sucks happened. What? Oh. Uh, anywho, we've got some audio on the conclusion of Brandon and his Bumble Day. We have the ruling. We have the ruling. What the hell happened? Did she pay? Is this going to court? Small claims court in Austin. What's going on, Bab? Give us the latest. The date just didn't work out, and. I will love to give you your $17.31 if you can just leave this alone. I do accept uh, the apology. Here's your $17. And the $17.31. Let's count it, right? Just to make sure it's all here. 10, 15, 16, 17, 31 cents. I appreciate this. It's settled? It's settled, man. Time to withdraw this court case. Absolutely. It's settled. Don't bet on a second date for these two. (laughs) Uh, audio My man of Inside Edition, but he got what he wanted. Yeah, but what about that four dollar pizza? Yeah, they didn't even mention the four dollar pizza. I guess. Wow, he, he really let her off easy. Yeah, then. he let the pizza go and said, "I just really want my money back for the movie, the seventeen dollars and thirty one cents." Well, I'm glad justice was served. Well, it should have to been. my guy here, Brandon. You just got served, and guess what, guys? I think it might be safe. For the Jewish people of the world to now get served bacon. Oh, really? You're allowed to eat bacon? Yes, I have an article here. You've been sneaking bacon in this Jewish life of yours, oh, this poser Jewish life of yours, down, all baby. your life. I have been. You've been sweating bacon for years. So this is an article from Munchies in the religion section. And look, I know <laughs> we're going to try. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. The religion section of, of Munchies.com. Munchies, yeah. Wow. Munchies.vice.com if you want to be specific. But I know we're not ones that are really wanting to get too heavy into politics and religion. But some biblical scholars now say it's chill for all Jews to eat bacon. Mad chill or just chill? Just chill, bro. Okay. So is this the beginning of a new era for Jewish delis everywhere? Many Jews choose to eschew pork. 
for what they've learned are well-established religiously and historically important reasons. But now those reasons have been thrown into question by a group of biblical scholars who suggest that maybe the chosen people have been skipping bacon for, well, no reason at all. Oh my gosh, I would be so pissed if I was the guy who was really went hard on this. I really believed in it. No bacon, no bacon, no bacon. And now I'm 74 years old on my deathbed, and I just find out I could have been eating bacon this whole time. Well, as a Levy, I've been skimping for my entire Jewish life, baby. Imagine being the guy who's 75 years old dying from bad cholesterol, and he's been avoiding bacon his whole life. He doesn't even know what he's been missing out on. Oh, my God. In an article that ran last week, the Israeli publication Haaretz, it is posited that believers of Judaism could plausibly justify eating bacon and pork products because more and more biblical scholars are now arguing that the book of Leviticus might not have originally have intended to apply to the general public. The idea that pork products aren't kosher stems from several pages of Leviticus. Do I hear loophole? I hear loophole. Yes. The third, the third book of the Old Testament is the book of Leviticus. So in which it is written that it is only permissible to eat meat from, quote unquote, any animal that has a cloven hoof that is completely split into double hooves and which bring up its cud, end quote. Wow, I hate that. I but, hate that. There's yes. too many There's too many variables there. Well, too many qualifiers. Let's, let's get into this. So these religious scholars attest that the rules in Leviticus were meant only for the priest of the temple, not the general public. Wait, you're a priest, aren't you? No, I'm not. Oh, then you're good. Exactly. So you're eating bacon. Exactly. So this could be a game changer, right? Dude, dude, let's go get Baconators tonight. I think we should. On you. I'll pay for mine. Yeah, you'll pay for you're ours. You're an intern now. Actually, you should you should go get I'll go pick it up. You give me the money. You give me the money, Fair and enough. I'll go pick them up. Sounds good. Perfect. That is exactly how that exchange works. Dude, I literally, I'm. it's funny because I usually dip my bacon in bacon, and I've been doing that my whole life, so you've been missing out. Yeah, well, exactly. So apparently, this rule was only for the priests in the holy temple of God and not for everybody. So like rabbis, essentially, no bacon for you. Sucker. But everyone else that goes to temple or shul or synagogue, it's cool. You guys are okay. You're the general public. You can eat bacon. Gen pop, baby. I this don't know. One of the times where it's really good to be Gen Pop. I'm sure there are very Orthodox Jews that are going to scoff at this notion and say, ah, I'm not eating pork and ah, vey, I'm not eating your bacon. Well, what do people usually skirt the lines by just eating like turkey bacon or what? Yes, absolutely. Okay, turkey so that's cool. kind of the yeah, supplement. There's always, there's always a loophole, baby. There's always a way to get around it. And turkey bacon's, you know, it's turkey not bad. Good. No, it's not definitely at all. not bad. But I mean, I don't want to hate on turkey bacon. I but agree. I mean, my God, if you've never had a legit piece of pig skin mm. get out of here so i'm happy about it i think that i can feel uh, rest assured i can eat some bacon now and bacon not, party and not feel like i'm just sinning and going against my religious base dude i don't want to be a part of that religion like i mean that's not a religion i want to be a part of man. you can't have bacon you can't have bacon i don't well, it's I don't all choice want. right that's the beauty of religion living in america everything's choice and you can interpret things no because the I'm, way you want to I'm pretty so I've been sure Jewish my whole life, but I still eat bacon. So I think you could do if you happen to be Jewish. Because there, I mean, there has to be bacon in heaven. I mean, heck yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be heaven without I'm bacon. Sure that you can get anything you want in heaven. Probably a bacon buffet That's somewhere. That's a conversation best served for another day. You think there's a ba- like a like a bacon buffet? I bet you could drop a bacon buffet. I'm there. I'll Hell see yeah. you there. Ham sandwiches all night long. But baconators tonight though. 
Tonight. Yes. Okay. Baconators tonight. Double the bacon. And bacon for breakfast tomorrow. Lunch and dinner, baby. Yes. Hell yeah. Bacon cool. party. Final story for Let's Get Weird with Wolchuk. One I've been saving for a couple of weeks now. Mm. Letting it marinate. I think everybody's had a situation where you've been embarrassed by your parents at some point, right? Oh, countless. What's your favorite? What's the biggest story that comes to your mind? Oh, uh, they like to tell the story about me. Uh, I'm I'm a I'm a deep sleeper, and I, I've been prone to sleepwalking, sleep talking, things like that. And uh, there was a time, especially in high school, when I was really feeling myself. I would sleep in the nude, and I had my 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 room. You were was, really feeling yourself. Yeah, yeah, in more ways than one. And my my room was in the back corner of the house, so I was you know all secluded. But I have all brothers anyway, so I mean it's not that big of a deal if one of my bros catches a look at my peen. And really, you know, lucky hold him. Hold on, hold on, what? And so I'm laying in bed, I'm I'm sleeping. I happen to be in the nude, and I'm having a a horror dream of a spider, a big, massive red spider, like twice the size of my hand, crawling on my blanket right up near my face. And that's the dream I'm having, and it feels realer than this moment right now. And I jump up out of bed, incoherent, I'm sleeping, and I and I sleep basically run into the living room completely naked, and my parents are out there watching a movie, and I'm sleeping telling them that there's a massive red spider on my chest and in my bed, and my dad just starts laughing, and then I start coming too as I come like back into my bedroom, and I'm showing them, and he's like, all right, where's the spider? Where's the spider? And I'm like, wow. I'm like waking up in this moment, and it was... It was one of the worst things that ever happened to me. And they love, love telling that story. That's a pretty classic one. Just the classic naked spider living room moment. Well, it doesn't sound anywhere as bad. And you can attest to this once you hear this story. But Bradley Howard, 17-year-old senior in high school, was getting in trouble at school for talking too much during his physics class. And his parents, Brad and Denise Howard, had enough with the complaints from their teachers. Or his teacher, I should say. So they decided to solve the problem with the best revenge possible. Story, by the way, Bab, you'll like this, courtesy of Click2 Houston. I believe that is Channel NBC. Two. Yes, yep. NBC. Shout out to H-Town. In Houston. So Brad Howard, father of Bradley, tells his son, if you do this again, if we get another note from your teacher, I'm going to come up there and sit with you in class. So according to NBC5 News on Friday... Bradley walked into his physics class, greeting everyone on his way to the door, and then he heard the voice of his father, Hello, Bradley, come from the classroom. He looks over. His dad is posted up in the desk next to his. Oh, gosh. His classmates seemed to love it, but Bradley? Eh, not so much. Bradley's sister, Molly Howard, posted a picture of her father and her brother, sitting in class together and you've got Bradley who's hunched over very embarrassed like writing notes on his desk and it looks like Father Bradley has or Brad I should say has taken a selfie of himself just posted up next to his son so Molly quote saying my dad told my brother if he got another call from the physics teacher complaining he would go sit in class dad got another call Boom! He did it, man of his word, and this story went viral. Other people ended up commenting on this via Twitter. Uh, a lot of people saying greatness. This is this is awesome parenting. Other people telling stories about their issues with their parents coming in, 
but I thought it was pretty interesting. And look, if I ever got threatened like this and I was goofing off in class and my mom or dad came and sat down next to me, I sure as crap would not do it again. <laughs> well, uh, this kind of sounds like, but not quite as bad as the story that my dad tells when he was in school back in Miami, back in back in the day, back in the 70s. Miami Dolphins. Dang right. And his Italian mafia father stormed him to his class one day and grabbed him by the ear and yanked him completely out of the entire school that way. My dad was in like eighth grade. Because my dad was acting up. And can you imagine if there was social media now or back then like there is now? We would have video evidence of my dad getting ripped up out of class by his ear. By his ear? By his ear. Come with me, Chiafalo. Jeez, Peter. I'm going to whip your ass. Come out, come out, Peter. I'm going to rip your ear off. Come out, come out and play. Dude, that would suck, though. My dad always threatened that. He always threatened that he would come up to the school, but he never did because I was a pretty good student. See, I would get whipped with, like, you're getting the belt. but Oh, the, I got the belt. The, the, I guess temptation... And just the, I'm blanking on the word I'm looking for, but the threat in itself was enough for me to be like, okay, I'm going to stop doing what I'm doing because that's the last thing I want is this leather freaking belt being whipped up against my tush. The belt was bad. My dad also made, he personally handcrafted a wooden, uh, 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 like a paddle. Yeah, paddle. Exactly. A wooden paddle with a handle on it and everything. And he used to use that for a long time. And that, that was a pretty painful time. Especially when he would hit you in the head with it. My gosh. Well, geez. That's, yeah. Bab, you got any funny stories of uh, your parents? Nah, because usually they'd threaten to do something and the threat, like, yeah, you, you would curled be up and cried. Yeah, yeah, the threat was enough. I was I was good. I, I like to think I was the good kid. Oh, I don't doubt my, it. My parents might testify otherwise, but I like to think I was. I, I have zero doubt about that, Bab. Yeah, I think you still are the good kid, buddy. I think you're good. You went to your first college party, what was that, three weeks ago? Yeoman's got yoked, baby. Yeah. Got yoked. See, I haven't really even been in a position to. Yeah, but you don't even remember that. You don't even remember that party. Yeoman's party? Yeah, because you went so hard. Oh, man, those jello shots were flowing through oh, the Oh, my gosh. Bab was just humming on those jello shots. If by hum, you mean like did two of them, then yeah. Whatever, man. 2,000. <laughs> Whatever, man. Bab did two jello shots every five seconds for two hours. Zero next to that, too, and that's where we're, we're ballparking. Yeah, it was a great time. Well, that was fun. I mean, that was good. Yeah. That was this week's edition of Let's Get Weird with Wolchuk on the No Split Seats podcast. Zach Wolchuk, your very own. Well, I'm happy you can eat bacon now, man. That really, I mean, that's a tough life to go through, just having to have it weigh on your conscience every time you eat bacon. I know. I've been struggling and not sleeping well at night. Well, you're going to sleep well tonight after we wolf down those Baconators. Baconators! Wake you up with breakfast in bed, bacon. Breakfast bacon in bed. Bacon style. Well, this morning, the Golden State Warriors probably all woke up with some delicious bacon breakfast in bed after their Game 4 sweep of the San Antonio Spurs last night, and they are now going to their third straight NBA Finals. Yes, man, and that is, uh, they swept through, which is pretty impressive. Not many teams have done that, and now... They just get to rest up because the finals is scheduled for what's the what's the final scheduled for? It's like the set uh, like the first week of June, June first, June. Oh, it's set for June first. Begin June first. Okay, yes. so now look how many days they have uh, to rest. I mean, they're going to be resting for yeah, at least over a week. Yeah, because they've been resting since yesterday. So, props to them. And now Cleveland is up to bat, 
and it's going to be, I mean, we, I mean we, we graced over this last week, but we could be potentially talking about in a couple of weeks the Warriors being the greatest team of all time. Certainly, I believe no, they're Should the, I spoil anything right now? Because Boston and Miami are... Uh, yeah, 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 give it to us. So, Miami, obviously, Cleveland. Cleveland and Boston are playing as we record this now. Obviously, we know that Cleveland lost to Boston in Game 3, Shocker, so it's tied 2-1. Yeah, yeah, it was a total shock. Well, there's 5.30 to go in the second quarter. Boston's up by 16, and LeBron has four fouls. Wow. What? Yeah. You are kidding me. You know, I wondered what that would do to the psyche of Cleveland because they come out to the Monstars, right? Like, everyone's saying, oh, Cleveland... Big bad team in the East. No Get one's high, gonna. Baby, baby. No one's gonna beat the Cavs. And then Boston comes, hangs tough. Avery Bradley nails the game winner in Game Three. All of a sudden, it's two one. LeBron eleven points total. After we're just talking about the greatness of LeBron James, but here's the thing. Here's the knock on LeBron. He can just do so much for you on a basketball court. But there have been times throughout his career where on the big stage, he has been quiet and non-existent. Now, sure. He's had moments of greatness on the big stage as well. But he's had those games where it's just like, where is LeBron? Notably, everyone brings up the 2011 Finals, his first year in Miami against the Mavericks. Yeah, when J.J. Barea was the defensive stopper on LeBron. Yeah, the custodian. Deshaun Stevenson dropping them threes. Gosh, you're making my stomach hurt just thinking about it. Yeah, well, look, Dirk Nowitzki was also the best freaking player on the planet for that series. Really, that entire postseason run. Dirk really peaked. But Best that version of Nowitzki we've ever seen. But when you look back to LeBron at that series, that's one of the last times, I mean, that you can really see him have a performance like we saw last night. I mean, it's very rare, especially especially in the playoffs, that he just has a total terrible performance. It's it's incredibly rare. He had like 11 points. He was turning the ball over left and right. I mean, he was he was inefficient. He didn't score, and he turned the ball over. He was just a special kind of bad that you see every blue moon from LeBron. So it's yeah. more of an anomaly. But you're right. These are the kind of moments that people look at. And since they've happened on the big stage, they highlight them even more to, to knock LeBron. And so I get what you're saying. And in his defense, he's so damn good that he's always on the big stage, right? He's always in these moments and in these games. And it's because of how talented he is. But now he's in a situation where... They had that mess up in Game 3. Kyrie Irving says they just got a dose of humble pie. How would they come out in Game 4? I thought they'd come out and just smash Boston. But evidently, they're down 16 heading into half almost. And LeBron's already one foul away from being out with four. This is amazing. I thought I thought for sure uh, they were going to... Two, NBA six. Okay, you're right. Six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four fouls in the first half. Really, not even the first half. First, like, quarter and a half. I thought LeBron was going to come into this game and just totally blow the doors off it, and the Celtics were going to be done. I mean, because he he got embarrassed the other night, and he was he was not happy about it. Obviously, that's all people talk about. I thought he was going to show up today and have one of those blow-up games where he goes for 30-plus, ton of assists, perhaps even a triple-double, just and, and they win by double-digit points. And now Babs telling us that it's dang near halftime and LeBron's sitting at four fouls and they're down by double-digit points. The Cavaliers are. I mean, they could tie this thing up two to two right now. Golden State is chomping at the bit. That makes it even more likely that Golden State gets this rest and comes into the finals and, you know, wrecks shot potentially. Well, I don't want to harp too much on this Boston-Cleveland deal because that's the one thing about recording the podcast and yeah. people going back and listening to it because they might come out in the second half, go on a run, and they still win, and they're up 3-1, or maybe it is tied 2-2, and we'll have to go back and look at it next week. But we can focus on Golden State, 
and I believe they are the first team in NBA history to enter the NBA Finals not having lost a game. Correct. The record was previously 11. They've won 12 straight. That is absolutely incredible. Wow. So that's the first time that's ever happened. So when you're looking at it, and no matter who they end up playing in the Finals, if they go on and sweep the NBA Finals, which... If it's Cleveland, I don't. I'm willing to bet money that's not going to happen. Highly unlikely. But hypotheticals. Let's play in the world of hypotheticals right now. If they do, are they the greatest NBA team ever? They would have to be the greatest team that um, that I've ever seen. You know, especially when you look at the duration, because you can look at a little bit of an era. They've put, they've strung this together. Now this would be this would be the third finals in a row. This would mean they've won two out of those three. And during one of those seasons, they had the all-time best regular season record. And then the next year, they had the best, basically, postseason record, at least through the first three rounds. So, I mean, yeah, you'd have to put them up there. Now, granted, I didn't get to, I didn't get to, um, you know, immerse myself into those Bulls teams, those classic Bulls teams that everybody talks about uh, as being the greatest of all time when you have Michael Jordan and the 72-win teams and things like that. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, you would have to talk about this team being the best, if not two... I mean, top two teams of all time. They'd certainly have to be in the discussion, and it gets so difficult with any sport, but basketball in particular, when you start talking about the greatest because there's been so much change in each era of the game. You had those Celtics teams that went to 10 straight finals, whatever the hell it was, with Bill Russell. You had the Bad Boy Pistons. You had the Lakers in the 80s. You had, of course, the Bulls in in the 90s with Jordan and now you've got the the Warriors. Yeah, and the other thing, though, the, it's so tough to compare eras. When when you go back into the 70s, I'm telling you right now, I never saw a, a second of that 70s no. basketball. And the style of basketball But the Golden was State totally Warriors would, would put a whooping on those guys. It's you just, think so? Times have changed. Yes, man. I mean, those guys weren't even shooting threes at that time. I do believe, yeah. I mean, well, it's exactly. just a completely it's era, different. It's yeah. the style of play. The size, the, the speed, the, the athleticism, the, the, the evolution of the game and the players. Is just the same thing in football. Like, it's hard. You can't pay the 72 Dolphins. You can't compare them to the 2007 Patriots. The Patriots would have smoked them just because they're, you're talking about offensive linemen in the 70s being like 250 pounds, and you're talking about linebackers in 2007 being 250 pounds. It just wouldn't be, it wouldn't be fair. Yeah, the evolution of the human body and so just I think, the athleticism, totally different. Exactly. So I think as far as you can go would be that, that, that Jordan Bulls team and that era. And that would be something that you could compare. And it's still not quite the same. There's still a little bit of a difference. Obviously, the style of play with the three-point shooting and things now, and it was probably much more physical back then. But, I mean, that's probably about as far back as you could go is to compare two teams like that. And I think Golden State's got to be right there with them. There's no way you can't say it. And you're talking about Kevin Durant. You're talking about Steph Curry. Definite Hall of Famers. and A two-time league MVP and another league MVP. Exactly. Not and to mention Clay Thompson. Who's probably the potential Scottie Hall Pippen of Famer comparison and, of and Draymond teams. Green, another potential yep. Hall of Famer. Andre Iguodala, the Finals MVP from a couple of and years ago, and then a big name a former player, Steve Kerr, as the coach. Who, even though he's not coaching right now, that's still the name that gets associated with it when we look back. And you know, that's that's a that's a team filled with guys that are Hall of Fame caliber, and they put together the best regular season record last year. And now they've had thus far an all-time playoff run, and if they put it together with a four-five game uh, win over the Cavs, assuming the Cavs get there, which is even though they're down right now, seems pretty obvious that LeBron and the Cavs are going to get there. I mean, 
they're going to have a lot of rest. Golden State's going to have a ton of rest going into that series, and they may come out a little rusty initially, but, I mean, that's only going to benefit them, especially if the Cavs are having to play a game six and seven against the freaking Celtics, while Golden State's just sitting at home, resting up, getting ready to go put a whooping on some people. So, yeah, Golden State, I mean, this is history in the making. We always talk about... You know, getting a chance to watch LeBron James and how great he is. Well, when you talk about great teams, people always like to hate on the Warriors right now. But, man, you're witnessing a great team. How about you live in that moment and enjoy that? How about this, though? And this is a question, the age-old question, I think, in sports of rest has got to be a beneficial, but it's too much rest, a bad thing. So you'll have Cleveland in Boston now. Maybe this thing goes six or seven games the winner of it, which you still expect to be Cleveland, but you never know. I do believe in Brad Stevens in Boston. It would be a shocker, but I'm not questioning anything, especially if they're up big now. But let's say they go through a hard-fought series. It's a quick turnaround. Maybe they've got a day to two days off leading into it, but they're still ready to go and fresh and having played coming off a, a quick turnaround versus maybe building some rust and having that length off. Which team do you think that really does benefit? No, I, I always take the team with the rest. You do? Yes. See, in the NFL, I don't. I think it benefits the hot hand. That's fine because you only get a one-game sample size in the NFL. So if you're rusty for one game, you know, in the NFL, you're that's done. it. You're done. Yeah. Golden State could come out rusty in game one, lose the game, and now they still got six more chances to go out there and win the series. And now that's when that rest starts to catch up uh, and help that team who got that big layoff. So... That's why it's the sample size. Basketball lends itself to being able to say, all right, we can we can lose a game in this series because it is a series. Usually the better team will win. The, the better team will series. win. And, and the well-rested team, especially the longer a series goes, is, has proved time and time again to be uh, beneficial. So, yeah, I would definitely say that benefits the Warriors. And I think LeBron is going to be really freaking pissed off if he's got to go six or seven with this Isaiah Thomas-less Celtics team. It's just it would just be a nightmare for him. The other thing, and I expected LeBron to come out even more fired up when the MVP NBA MVP finalists yeah that's got right. announced, and the final three. There's no LeBron James, nope. and people can say what he wants. I know from watching LeBron throughout his career, this guy pays attention to what's going on in the awards scene, what's going on in the news and the media. He's paying attention, and you got to think a little bit of pridefulness. I'm sure he's collected enough trophies he doesn't care, but a part of him had to feel a little bit like you've got Harden, Westbrook, and uh, Kawhi Leonard were the three finalists. You're telling me those three players are better than LeBron James, the king? No, absolutely You and I not. both agree that they're not. LeBron's got to have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder for that. Oh, yeah, that's uh, that's certainly going to uh, put a little extra pep in his step. But the thing is, is you can tell, especially when you see how the, he's turned it up, not only himself, but the whole Cavs team, since the playoffs started, you can tell they had their foot halfway off the gas all regular season. So they're not going to award a guy who's doing that. You can see him go to a completely another gear and if he would have done that in sure, the regular season, it's a regular season award. Yeah, and I get that. Now, I'm it is, totally with you. It's a numbers award. Yes, and I'm totally with you that. And they have fatigue. They're sick of seeing LeBron James. They're sick of seeing LeBron James win these things. And they're about to be the same way with Steph Curry before too long. But I don't think Steph Curry's going to win another league MVP. No, I don't think. I don't necessarily. I mean, I don't know. But. But yeah, LeBron's going to be bothered by that. And I can't believe that he didn't get at least top three, you know? Like that he didn't even, he wasn't even in the top three 
that's going to rub him the wrong way. And I would vote for LeBron to be the MVP every single year. He should be. I mean, he, he, you it's can the see obvious when he, vote. When he gets 11 points, Cleveland loses. Tonight, he's in foul trouble. Cleveland's getting their ass kicked. Yes, very good point. Without LeBron James, your team's going to suck. And that's and the way it's, it's always the most been. most valuable player, right? LeBron tilts the scale to whatever team he goes to. So certainly, every single year... That's the LeBron James award as long as he's still the king and in that peak form in his career. Yeah, and we've seen San Antonio close out a series against Houston without Kawhi Leonard. So you can see that they can still win games without him. Talk about value. Well, they won without him. Granted, they got smoked without him against Golden State. But, I mean, they still closed out the series without him when... Uh, the, the Rockets had their backs up against the wall and, and had everything perfect, to lose. Perfect transition. So now you've got the, the three. It's Westbrook, Harden, Kawhi. Who do you think should win it? I think we've automatically eliminated Kawhi based on that. You don't think Kawhi should win it. James Harden struggled in that game six. They got their asses kicked. I think James Harden certainly is there. And Russell Westbrook, you take either two of those players off the Thunder or the Rockets, those teams aren't where they are. But I think based on the success that Houston had this year, and to me, which was a little bit of a surprise, I would lean towards James Harden for MVP based on those three finals. That's who you would give it to? I would vote for Harden just based on those three, yes. I'm, I think I'm with you there, but I think it's going to end up being Westbrook who gets it because those triple doubles were just, everybody fell in love with the triple double this year, and it, every single time he got it, it was the headline everywhere. Oh my God, another triple double. Oh my God, another triple double. So I think Westbrook's going to end up winning it, but I think you're right out of those three. I would have probably, remember, the voting for this is before the playoffs. So this isn't after the fact of Harden having a terrible game six in the playoffs against the Spurs. So when you look at just or the regular Kawhi. season. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I would go I would go Harden as well. But Russell Westbrook's probably going to be the one that ends up getting that thing. Because those triple doubles, everyone was just chubbing for triple doubles this year. Oh, yeah. And that is an in- incredible feat that Russell Westbrook yeah, did. Yeah, I'm not really, I don't care if You're my not point guard. No, because I don't. I don't think it's much value for my point guard to get me a bunch of rebounds. It just doesn't matter. I don't. I'm not going to say you had a bad game if you're my point guard and you didn't have ten rebounds. Yeah, you're looking for the assists. And then I need assists. I points. need efficiency. I need no turnovers, and that's but, not Russell Westbrook. Look for your guard to be getting rebounds like though. I think it speaks to hustle, attacking the basket. That's fine. I'm not giving you the MVP. Shot. I'll give you the hustle MVP. That's fine. I'll give you the I'll give you the hustle award. Those triple doubles are pretty damn incredible, in my opinion. But yeah, I see what you're saying there. I w- that's why I would lean towards Harden. You know, but I think it should go to LeBron James. Bab, you're a Houston guy. You got any vote here? Are you going to come in defensive Harden? Har- uh, Harden? Why? What did you expect? Harden. Why? Because he plays for the Rockets. Why? Other than that, because he lives in Houston currently. <laughs> yeah, but it, I think I think Westbrook's going to get it. I prefer I prefer Harden to get it, obviously, because I'm from Houston. You're a fanboy, and I don't value triple doubles. It's it's amazing. Don't get me wrong, but I don't value them on a team that still was the sixth seed and got destroyed in the first round by Houston. You're a smart man. You don't care when if your point Houston, guard gets a bunch of yeah, rebounds, but he's again, inefficient and he turns the ball over. Yeah, and it takes him. You know, like I think Patrick Beverly had a great quote after. Game four, I think it was, between the Thunder and Rockets that, you know, he's like, yeah, Westbrook got 40 points, but it took him 34 shots to get 40 points. That's right. He did get called out. Kobe Bryant was big on that as well throughout his career. Yeah. It it feels more ball hoggish to me than anything. That's that's why I lean Harden. And that's why LeBron's so valuable because he's always, for the most part, he's incredibly efficient. And this year he was almost more efficient than ever. Uh, by his field goal percentage, and it was just like I'm pretty sure it was his best year from the three point line as well. 
Oh, he's growing. And so, growing I mean, as he's, a player. He, efficiency matters so much more than whether you got 10 rebounds or not as a point guard. And that's my vote for Harden but, over Westbrook. But the last thing I will say about Harden, though, is I don't want to confuse it to where it's not like he doesn't turn the ball over a ton because oh, he, he I'm pretty sure he may have led the league in turnovers. Yeah. So he's he's not flawless himself, but I would just lean towards I would lean towards Harden if if you're not going to give it to LeBron. Yeah, if you're not going to give it to LeBron, that's the key. And that's I, I think Russell Westbrook's a black hole man. I've said it. I'm, I've never been a believer that Russell Westbrook's the guy as great as he is. I don't think he's going to win you a championship because I don't think his personality and his playing style jives well with others. I think it's a similar thing to Carmelo. Guys that will put up a ton of points, but they're somewhat ball hogs, yep. and their games don't mesh well with others. It's a ball-dominant player, and you don't want your guard to be a ball-dominant guard. You need a guard that gets everybody involved, and especially at point guard, and is and doesn't turn the ball over, and is efficient. And those are three things that Russell Westbrook is not. And I think it shows that because a great player, uh, Kevin Durant, who's heading to the finals now, left him, volunteered himself away from Russell Westbrook. You wouldn't do that to an MVP player. You, Who's going to up and leave an MVP player? It doesn't sound smart. Certain rumors that I've heard, KD might go back to OKC once his contract's up with Golden State and he's won a finals. He might pull the LeBron deal. Well, technically. Win a couple rings, head on back to Cleveland. I, he might do that with OKC. Well, that's this year because his contract, it was a two-year deal. He signed it's with a, a player deal. option. Yes, but it was a player, player option. option after the first year. So he could win the title, you're saying, and then go back to OKC next yes. year? Yes, he could. And Russell Westbrook just opens ar- open arms? Just, hey, brother. Exactly. I don't think so, you're no. Just, I mean, that's like, I mean, listen, your ex-girlfriend willingly walks out on you and goes and lives the sweet life with another guy. And then a year later, Wants after to climb back into your bed, just went, no, yeah, no, I wouldn't want that either. No but way. But if you're OKC and you want to win rings, you're not going to get there without KD back on your team. Well, I think Russell Wells, Russell Westbrook, the lacking self awareness kind of guy that he is on the court. If that translates off the court, he's gonna just be like, hey, Durant, no, sorry, I'm a selfish diva. This is my team now. Especially if he wins an MVP. Um. Yeah, if he wins the MVP, I mean, I don't know how That's much that'll question. affect him. When was the last time an MVP was on a six-seated team? Mm. Yeah. That's, that's one I can't remember. Yeah, that's true. They're usually on kind of one because of those top if you, two or three-seated teams. If you jettison Harden from the Rockets, the Rockets are not missing the playoffs. OKC still nearly missed the playoffs, even with Westbrook on their team. Yeah. And he had to put it up. He had to put up. He had to average a triple double for them to get the sixth seed in the West. And the Rockets ended up with what the two seed in the West? Third. That's why they oh, played the, him in the, the first round. Seed. Yeah, three, they played him in the first six. round. Oh yeah. yeah, that's right. Pay attention. Come on. Yeah. What am I doing? It's okay. You're looking down at your uh, sexy jorts there. Yeah, I'm a jorts kind of guy. Jortsy guy. Jortsy. That's some pretty good basketball talk. Uh, we'll we'll keep a tabs here on this Cavs Celtics game at halftime. Celtics are up ten, so we'll see what ends up happening with that one moving forward to a potential finals rematch. I'm calling it now. I'm on the record. Celtics are up ten at the half. LeBron has four fouls. My guess is LeBron and the Cavs come back and win by double digits. I like it. I wouldn't be shocked. We're gonna take another quick break to hear from good old Robert. From the Diamond Broker in those smooth, sultry tones. We'll be right back on No Split Seats Podcast. Hello, I'm Robert of the Diamond Broker. Over the past 30 years, many jewelry stores have come and gone, but we are still here. We were one of the first companies to offer diamonds from the cutters directly to the public. We are Dallas's original Diamond Broker. 
with an A-plus rating at the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied customers. Located on the northeast corner of Preston and Forest, the Diamond Broker has been the go-to source for loose diamonds, engagement rings, bracelets, pendants, and diamond studs. I guarantee that you will not find a better company than the Diamond Broker to buy from. Want proof? Come see our walls filled with pictures of our satisfied customers. Ask around. Someone you know has done business with us. This holiday, visit the Diamond Broker for an engagement ring, pre-owned Rolex, or a special diamond gift for your loved one. The Diamond Broker, Dallas Original Diamond Broker, located on the northeast corner of Preston and Forest in Dallas, or on the web at diamondbrokerdallas.com. Welcome back to the No Sweet Seats Podcast. I'm Zach Wolchuk alongside Eric Schiafalo, producer Bab on the ones and the twosies. We've talked quite a bit of NFL news, NBA. We had Dr. John Michaels on the show. We got weird. We got a couple more NFL stories in an NFL roundup segment we're going to get to now, and then we'll wrap the show with a little bit of quick puck with Bab. And I've got a couple of entertainment stories to show in there. So towards the end here of our show, the bottom half here, thank you for joining the safe space here with No Split Seats Podcast. But let's talk a quick little NFL roundup. Dallas Cowboys defensive end David Irving in the news today, possibly suspended four games for PED use. Eric, have you heard of this? Uh, yes, I have. What did he do? It wasn't even like a drug thing. No, it wasn't. It was like a. It was like he was marketing some sort of yeah. like like from, protein or like some supplement, some workout supplement. From my understanding of the story, is he recently switched agents, and it was uh, some guy approached him basically saying like, "Look, you're David Irving of the Dallas Cowboys. I can get you way more endorsement opportunities." So he fired his agent, hired this guy, and I think it's the same dude that might represent Odell Beckham Jr. Possibly not 100 percent sure. Don't quote me on that. Either way, this guy did get him some new endorsement opportunities, and he's endorsing this new whatever it is—a protein, an energy drink, whatever it is. But in it. Uh, I guess maybe there was some kind of substance There's that a gets flagged, substance. yes, by the NFL. And because of this, he has now failed a drug test and is yet another one of the long list of Cowboy defensive linemen that are now facing suspension. That is not smart on his part. Isn't that, that's like the, uh, I'm pretty sure that's, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six guys on the defensive side of the football for the Dallas Cowboys that have been suspended for some sort of, uh, I guess, off-field drug use or whatever, dating back to 2014. So only in the last few years, you guys have had quite a few. Orlando Scandrick, Rolando McClain, Greg Hardy, Demarcus Lawrence, Randy Gregory. Okay, and, well, Greg uh, Hardy was already suspended. Cowboys signed him. He didn't get suspended when he was with you guys? Well, no. yeah, because he had he that. Was, that was already leading into it. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Rolando McClain's a head case. And again, this is risk versus reward. The guys that it's been no-no, and you're like, what the hell are you doing, Skandrick, who, by the way, kudos to him. It was a two-game suspension. He came up. He manned up. He said, look, I was on vacation. I took some molly. Slap on the wrist. I'll pay my dues. I'll do my time. Happens to the best of that's us. That's what happened, and, and that's fine. He did his time, and he's been clean ever since. The stuff with Randy Gregory is unforgivable. We'll see about this thing with David Irving. He's going to go is, fight it. This it just seems weird. ignorant. It just sounds ignorant, really. I mean, and it's really his fault because ignorant. how do you— how do you get involved with a company, a supplement that you're going to market, and you're not even you haven't even gotten it fully approved by the by your trainers? Like you could just go up to the Cowboys staff and they can they can tell you if 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 it could be approved or not. Yeah, and he obviously ridiculous. didn't do that, so it's it's clearly on him. But it is nice to know that it wasn't like he was he was intentionally like shooting up or doing something like that or 
doing anything drug-wise that could get him recurring offenses and things. Yeah, I mean, this obviously like could, but it doesn't seem like something that he'll continue to do, obviously. But was he, I'm curious, was he supposed to be, was he a projected, like, starter, like day one starter at defensive end? Yes. For I the think Cowboys? David Irving, the likelihood of him starting was very, very high. I mean, the guy had some really big flash moments last year. Inconsistency was his thing. But I remember him against the Tampa Bay. Against, uh, against the Buccaneers. Bay, he, fought, he won NFC Defensive Player of the Week. I think he had, like, a pair of sacks, forced a couple fumbles. He had an unbelievable game. When he's a monster, too. I mean, he's... Like we talk about Taco Charlton being big, I've heard people say that he's he is much bigger than Taco Charlton, six like, foot seven, I believe. Yeah, and he's even but beefier too. He's got he's got some weight on him to where they felt like they could use him not only on defensive end but slide him in at some tackle, especially in passing situations, you know, uh, on third down and things like that. So that is going to be a tough loss, especially because the Cowboys. It's not like they have a plethora of defensive linemen there. So for the first four games, isn't Demarcus Lawrence? Is he is he suspended? Lawrence or? is not suspended. He was suspended okay. last year. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. He's not suspended this year, but he's coming off another back surgery. Uh, there's already been some indications he might be a little overweight. OTA started today, so I haven't read any reports on how he's looked. But yeah, I mean, it could have been Lawrence, and then on the other side, if unless you're starting Taco, it could have been Lawrence's Lawrence and Irving as your true starting ends. And you're absolutely right. I think David Irving has a ton of success kicking inside much like Tyron Crawford does. Yeah. When the Cowboys gave him that fat contract, folks, people seem to overlook this. And a, and a lot of people on radio here locally don't make the point either. Tyron Crawford is a really good D tackle. He's not a good end. I've never liked him playing at end. And the notion of him starting it and makes me cringe because he's not that good there. And people are saying, well, Tyron Crawford hasn't performed to his contract. He got the fat contract coming off of his best season playing three technique. D-tackle in this scheme. He's not going to have that same production when you kick him outside. So you need David Irving. You need Taco Charlton. You need Demarcus Lawrence to step up. Hell, you really freaking need Randy Gregory, but that dude can't get out of the freaking marijuana cloud that he lives in. So now you're screwed. You might have to play Crawford outside again, and his production's probably going to decline. And then you got a guy like Charles Tapper, right? Is he another? Is he a defensive end or is he a D-tackle? Tapper is a defensive end, but you don't know what you're going to get from Tapper. He missed all last year with an injury. Yeah. So he's a projection guy. You're crossing your fingers and hoping an offseason with the playbook. Now he's healthy. He should maybe be a guy that can compete for a starting job, but you don't know. Either way, it's unfortunate for a Cowboys defense who needs all the defensive line help and pass rushing help that it can get, as you can see proven by drafting Charlton, defensive end out of Michigan, in the first round. I mean, they need as many of these guys as they can have, and to not have David Irving, is I mean, that's going to be tough for the first four games, dude. That's I mean, how, how worried are you about that? Uh, I'm worried. I mean, on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd, I'd probably say a 6. Because it's not like we haven't dealt with this before as a Cowboy fan. I'm used to having a dude out of the rotation that's suspended every freaking year recently as of late. So, yeah, it sucks. But there's we just named a handful of guys that you're hoping to get the most out of. If any one of those dudes can step up and fill that void, that'd be a big deal. The other Cowboy news today, the Cowboys are apparently doing their due diligence and looking into former Arizona Cardinal and TCU linebacker, Daryl Washington. 
Yeah, Darren Washington. He was a good player. He was good at TCU, and he was actually he was good for a little while. Pro bowler. Yeah, he's a pro bowler for the Cardinals, but he he, he hasn't played since like 14, 2014, right? I think he's been out three years. So yeah. and and he's got off field issues. He was suspended, or what was his deal? Was it an injury thing, or was it a combination of both? Okay, so he's been injured and suspended for three years. They're kicking the tires on him, but you don't know what you're going to get. But he's a former pro bowler, and he's still young. I mean, he's not an old I think guy. He's thirty. Okay. He's, okay. Well, so he's, he's on the latter half the end of his career. But yeah. like you said, yeah, it's not like his body's been beaten up. He hasn't played, but he's got speed for days and a Cowboys defense that is one injury away at linebacker from being in uh oh territory. If the guy checks out, and I know we've just talked about all these dudes the Cowboys have running that have been suspended and not worked out, but this is another situation. Low risk, high reward, potentially, depending on the contract. Maybe you take a flyer on the guy. Well, here's our NFL roundup, and here's another little update, little fun fact for NFL fans. Uh, Today, and today is Tuesday, May 23rd, pretty sure. Today's the 23rd, yes. Today's May 23rd. We're recording this podcast. It is the uh, it is the NFL offseason hump day because we are 107 days exactly removed from the Super Bowl, and we are also... 107 days away from week one of the regular season. So today is the NFL hump day. We have made it halfway through the offseason. So everybody sit tight, grab your beers. OTA started today. Training camps around the corner. We're knocking on the door at preseason. And then boom, before you know it, week one is here and everybody's chubbing, everybody's partying. Way to go, football fans. So we are halfway Woo, halfway through wait. the NFL offseason. My gosh, is it a long time. Man, too The long. NFL offseason feels like three lifetimes in one. It does. Luckily, there's so much going on, though. It keeps us busy with stuff to talk about. Yeah, and there were things that went down today as we talked about the NFL ruling on the overtime. So they're, they're changing it from 15 minutes to 10 minutes for the NFL overtime. They changed the celebration rules a little bit. So uh, the no fun league is a little bit more fun league now. Uh and they've, it's not, it's certain things. You can't twerk, you can't do sexual sort of gesture celebrations, but more group celebrations and things like that you're allowed to do. Uh, and they've updated some of the Super Bowl host cities. Uh, so we're going to be oh, in Minnesota. Yes. We're going to be in Minnesota this year. We all know that. Next year, we're going to be in Atlanta. They got that new stadium, the Mercedes Benz. I'm excited Shout to see Shout out to one. Alex Riddle. I know you work in construction there, my boy. I get your Snapchats all the time. He's working the construction on that. I see the updates on his Snapchat. It's coming along really, really well. Are they going to finish on time for that Alabama game? Yeah, he, he's, he's, he said he's not sure, but I, he's confident. He's confident. So uh, there's a little inside scoop on the Atlanta Falcons' new stadium. So we're going to be in Minnesota for the Super Bowl this year. Atlanta Falcons next year. And then we're going to be in Miami the year after that, Super Bowl in South Beach. Are we going? Time. Are yeah, we going? I think we're going to go. I think Hell we're going to yeah. broadcast live. Let's do it, baby. I think we're going to broadcast live. Next year, we're just going up north just a touch to Tampa Bay. We'll wave over, say hello. That's right. And then we're going to kick it out to the West Coast the year after that. And we're going to go into Los Angeles into that crazy palace of a uh, practically a museum of a stadium that they're going to have there. It's going to be beautiful. So that's the rundown, that's Minnesota, awesome. that's Atlanta. That's we can take our little surfing trip maybe with Dr. John. Oh, yeah. Well, by then, we will have already made countless trips out there with him. We'll know the, the we'll landscape. Have, our rapport will be huge, and I'll it'll be great. I'll have the rash figured out. It'll be good. We'll be right at home at that point. Sweet. So, so we got the little Super Bowl update, got some things happening in the NFL, and it's a beautiful time. Happy Hump Day, ladies and gentlemen. What a time to be alive. Happy Hump Day. That does it. For that NFL Roundup on Nosebleed Seats podcast, Zach Wolchuk, Eric Chiafalo, producer Bab, Bab. What do you say? I know there's been some advancements in the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. Is it a little bit of time now for some quick putt? Yes. 
I will never not like this as bed music. Just a good old-fashioned quick puck, baby. Quick I love it. Yeah. So Nashville, yeah, Nashville's in the Stanley Cup Finals. They beat Pittsburgh yesterday, meaning Ooh. Monday. Oh yeah, uh, six to three. They beat Anaheim, right? So, yeah, sorry, Anaheim. The yes, Pittsburgh game's do. going on right now. Uh, yeah, they beat Anaheim. They're the first team to make the Stanley Cup Finals. They're the first team from the expansion four in 2000 to make oh, the Stanley yeah. Cup Final. Puck me real good, man. That group included the Minnesota Wild, Columbus Blue Jackets, and formerly Atlanta Thrashers, now the Winnipeg Jets. You said it. And they're the first team from that group to make it. Uh, Penguins are up three games to two in their series. Oh, yeah, they are. They spanked out of one game yeah, five. Yeah, they, huh? they beat them seven to nothing. Mm. Um, and game six is currently in progress. As of this recording, uh, it's one to one. Second period's almost over. You know, I like a little spank with my puck. Dang it, that almost ended very well. That's okay. And then I goofed. <laughs> it's all right. We know what but you're yeah. going for. Oh, uh, right, did you finish yet? Did you finish, or you still got more? Uh, still the, got a little bit in the tank. Uh, the Colorado Eagles are in the East Coast Hockey League uh, Kelly Cup Finals. Look okay. at your stamina, big boy. Eagles. Yeah, they're still awaiting the winner of South Carolina and somebody else. But uh, yeah, there's your puck talk. Well, oh, thank you, thank gosh. you for that quick puck right that got on me time. off. Yeah, Ooh, that yeah. was beautiful, Bab. Thank you for that. I think you it's are time a now. Monster. We'll wrap the show with a little bit of entertainment news. I've got two. Maybe three potential UFC storylines. Yeah, I'll mention real quick. Unfortunately, the highly anticipated bantamweight UFC title fight between Cody Garbrandt and TJ Dillashaw, the two current coaches on the Ultimate Fighter series, which airs on Fox Sports 1 every Wednesday evening. Shameless plug there for that show. Even though they don't pay us a freaking dime, they should. But that's going to, uh, that's unfortunate. Cody Garbrandt's had to pull out. He's had some back issues. That's been a theme of today's show. He went to Germany, got some back treatment done, came back. Not going to be ready for that July fight. Might be even in June for 213. I think 214 is in July. He should holler at Dr. Michaels. He should. Dr. Michaels probably has some, some good stuff for him to work on. Yeah, he'll get you fixed right up, baby. But that's unfortunate. Those two had a pretty good, have a good rivalry brewing, talking a lot. Obviously, you had uh, TJ Dillashaw, former bantamweight champion, left team alpha male, where Cody Garbrandt trains, the gym created by Uriah Faber. Dillashaw leaves, goes to Colorado to train with Dwayne Bang Ludwig, and ever since then, there's been a lot of bad blood between him and the alpha male guys. And then he had Cody Garbrandt win the bantamweight title fight, absolutely schooling longtime undefeated champion Dominique Cruz so those two locking horns inside the Octagon was a fun one. We'll have to wait for that to get rescheduled. The middleweight interim title fight has been scheduled finally. We've been waiting for middleweight champion Michael Bisping to fight George Saints-Pierre, the long UFC veteran GSP who hasn't fought since 2013, was supposed to be making his return, fighting for the middleweight title against Bisping. Apparently that fight ain't happening anymore. It seems like Bisping, or excuse me, Dana White, is getting fed up with GSP and his indecisiveness on when he'll be ready to go. So the UFC is now scheduled an interim title fight between number one contender Yoel Romero and Robert Whitaker, who's one of the nastiest knockout artists going right now. One hit quit power. Those two should be fun. A winner should face Bisping. Wait, not Robert from the Diamond Broker. Not Robert from the Diamond Broker. Although I, I bet he's got some one hit power too. He can punch with the best of them. Robert from the Diamond Broker, a.k.a. not Bob from the Diamond Broker. <laughs> not Bob. But Robert Whitaker is going to fight for the UFC interim title. And in two, at UFC 214 in July, 
is the much-anticipated rematch between John Bones Jones and Daniel D.C. Cormier for the light heavyweight championship, a title that John Jones had to vacate due to his suspension. Daniel Cormier, who Jones previously defeated a few years ago, has been on a tear as the late light heavyweight king. Those two in a fight that has had to already be rescheduled once because John Jones can't keep either one getting suspended for cocaine use or PEDs or run-ins with the law. Hopefully, John, you can stay the hell out of trouble and we can finally see you fight DC for the light heavyweight crown. Winner of that one might move up to heavyweight and take on Stipe Miocic, who just defended his heavyweight title in Dallas UFC 211 last week. So that's your UFC roundup. Some news to look at. And uh, in entertainment news this past weekend, I went and saw the film Alien Covenant. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with any of the Alien movies, Chief. Uh, no, I don't, no, I don't watch. I didn't watch any of those. You're not a scary movie kind of guy, right? No, I'm also not really a sci-fi kind of guy. I saw the commercials for this alien thing. Yeah. Uh, I liked Danny McBride, and that was the only thing I liked about it, right uh, the commercial. So I had no interest in seeing it. Uh, so how was it? Well, it's awful. It, it's a sequel to Prometheus, which I thought was awful. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really going to go see Alien Covenant opening weekend. I was like, eh. Ended up being a spur-of-the-moment thing. Saturday night, I was hanging out with a girlfriend of mine. Look we at went. you, Mr. Spontaneous. So we went. We saw it. And I'll tell you what. It was pleasantly enjoyable. I, I don't think... It wasn't, oh, mind-blowing, pretty predictable film. But Michael Fassbender's awesome in it. It is pretty entertaining. There's some jaw-dropping, gory, like, WTF moments in there for sure. Much better than Prometheus. Wasn't as long. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was... I gave it a 3 out of 5, 6 out of 10. Maybe uh, maybe even a three, a 7 out of 10 kind of deal there. It was okay. Not bad to see. If you are looking to just kill two hours of your life, go check out Alien Covenant. So it got a passing grade. It got sounds like grade. more of a red box kind of flick. Yes. Sounds like more you pay a buck. Don't drop 57 yeah, I wouldn't, at the movie theater. I wouldn't theater. go crazy if you've got like a student deal out there. Or, uh, you know, maybe a... Uh, buy one, get one free Tuesday offer that AT&T's running if you're an AT&T customer. Yeah, do that kind of deal. It's nothing that you need to shell out 1731 a ticket for. So you brought a date to the movie. Was she texting the whole time, or no. what, did she have good etiquette? Well, it wasn't a date. Uh, it was just a. It was a friend date, I guess you could say. Sure. Oh wow! Did she friend zone you? Uh, it was like we both friend zoned each other. Oh, I, I okay. Could, she's like a sister. I could never date or do anything okay, with this so girl. Okay, so she's just not. Is that we she's bigger just like not. siblings? Oh, okay. It has nothing to do with attractiveness. She's really? Because that leads me to believe that she's not attractive. No, 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 she's cute. There's nothing wrong with her at all. But it's just like no, you, her and I wouldn't work that way. Gotcha. It's just not. There. Not not anymore. No. Good. No. Not again. <laughs> never. <laughs> never. From the beginning. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's how that went, which was okay. So overall, yeah, just an uh, okay flick. Alien. Okay flick. Go yeah, see it or don't. don't. See it or don't. Yeah. You know, you'll either get there. You're not this weekend. Baywatch, which we've already talked about, comes out. Rockin' and front. I know Eric's excited. Oh, yeah, baby. Two and, sexiest uh, duo. Another I mean, sexy duo. Pirates of the Caribbean comes out. Oh, that's episode Pirates of the Caribbean number 19. Like 20 gajillion. I don't know. It's that's probably what I figured. Suck. Yeah. Johnny Depp's still doing that, or is he dead now? Oh, it's like the only thing Depp can do and maybe make a profit off Okay, of so he's still days. alive. Wow. Yeah. He must be getting up there. In between doing his verbal abuse and maybe physical abuse of his ex-wife, Amber Heard, that was in the news. Do I not condone know. that. I saw her, though. Ooh, speaking of movies, she's going to be in Aquaman, and I she saw is. something of her in Aquaman, and holy smokes, ladies and gentlemen, Amber Heard is doing her thing in Aquaman. I've only seen a five-second clip of it, and... 
beautiful. She I'm an Amber so Heard fine. fan. She is phenomenal. I can't wait to go see that movie. Absolutely beautiful. And the final thing that we've got, and this is actually going back to NFL stuff, Calvin Johnson came out, said he wasn't treated well uh, in his exit with the Detroit Lions. Against the Lions wanted him to pay back a portion of his signing bonus. Jerk move, man. Look, do you expect anything less from the Detroit Lions? We saw it happen with Barry Sanders, Calvin. Are you surprised? No. Not at all. No, I mean, I'm not surprised necessarily, but you see a lot of these teams, you know, when a guy retires, especially when it's like a Hall of Fame guy, one of the legends of the, uh, any particular franchise, and they owe some money if they retire, they usually end up just, you know, they say, you know, don't even worry about it. You don't have to pay that back. We, we love everything you did for us. Thank you for everything you did, and we appreciate you. We're going to get you a little banner here in the stadium. Maybe not a statue because we didn't win any Super Bowls, but you're going to get your name in the Ring of Honor. And uh, we're going to love you forever. And it, it, it doesn't, seem, doesn't seem like the way that went out. They no. said, nope, we're going to need uh, we're going to need that money back there, Calvin. They're counting their freaking pennies there in Detroit. That's kind of jerkish. For sure. You don't think they've sold enough cars? They really need that. But whatever. I expect nothing less. That's why the Lions have not won a playoff game in 20-plus years. Bleep hole of the week goes to the Detroit Lions, uh-huh. baby. Lock it up. Throw away the key. And that pretty much is a wrap for episode number 16. Bam! Of the Nosebleed Seats podcast. It's been absolutely gorgeous rolling with you here tonight. Zach Wolchuk alongside Eric Chiafalo and producer Bab. As always, hit us up on the tweets at Nosebleed Seats Pod. Or is it just Nosebleed Pod? Nosebleed Pod. Nosebleed Pod on the Insta. NBS Podcast. NBS Podcast, baby. The Facebook page, Nosebleed Seats Podcast. Again, We're working on this uh, website deal. We've also got an email coming your way. When that is official, we'll throw it at you so you can email us, hit us up. If maybe you've got someone that you want to bring on the show, you've got questions, maybe a segment you want us to talk about, we'll love to do it. Anything we can do to communicate and reach out to the listener. Join the safe space. It's been fun. Episode 16 is a wrap. We'll see you next week for episode 17. You guys stay composed out there as always. Hugs and hand pounds, everybody. Come poised.